right, everybody, we're going to get started in just a minute. We were waiting for uh, Councilman Lee, and he is uh, on his way in at the moment. So grab a seat, and we'll get started with our presentations from uh, DRC, Waste Connections, Entergy, Cox, and AT&T in just a couple of minutes. Byron. All right, welcome everybody. Um, we're going to get to these before the uh, business meeting starts at 10 o'clock. Again, we've got DRC here, who is our uh, large debris uh, remover. They have that contract, large debris removal. Uh, Waste Connections, which is our garbage contractor, Cox Communications, Entergy, and AT&T. We'll begin today with DRC. Please uh, say your name and title as you um, use the microphone and address the council. Good morning, uh, Council Members, President. Thank you for having us. Uh, my name is John Sullivan. I'm President of DRC. Chrissy Fuentes, Vice President of DRC, and then Project Manager Steve Crawford as well. Steve is running the project for us here in Jefferson Parish. Um, I will let him go ahead and give you the stats of where we are today and also um, number of trucks, zones, and things like that, and then we'll be available for any questions. So first of all, I want to thank you all for the confidence that you have with us in doing the uh, the debris removal in such an important part. We have a lot of things that we have to coordinate. You have power companies, you have power lines down, you have homeowners coming back. And so it is a, it is certainly a dance uh, that we do around the country. Uh, this one is close to home as we are from here. So um, uh, we are uh, very confident in what we're doing here and know that it's going well and certainly can address any of your individual issues from your, your constituents as they come up. So Steve, if you'll give us the stats. Good morning, uh, Steve Crawford, DRC Emergency Services. Uh, thanks for having us this morning. Um, currently, we are uh, running 76 uh, total debris crews. We are in 27 zones based on the uh, evacuation zones, which is exactly how it was zoned uh, last year during Zeta as well. Um, we have eight sites for the temporary debris staging uh, processing. 
Uh, five of those are currently operating. Uh, three of those are in process uh, uh, through the lease and DEQ process. Um, as of yesterday, we had collected 160,000 cubic yards, um, and Thompson will go over some of those specific numbers, but uh, uh, those numbers are uh, actually exceed all of Zeta from last year uh, we have already collected. So um, I wanted to uh, point out today as well, in addition to uh, the streets, the zones, we also started collecting in the uh, parks today as well. Try to give uh, some of your uh, residents and folks uh, some normalcy back, let them get back into their into their parks and into their normal life to the best that we can they can do right now. Oh. Yes, sir. I also mentioned um, Grand Isle and Lafitte. So Lafitte started uh, yesterday with debris removal. We have a temporary site there as well for debris collection. Uh, Grand Isle also started this week. Uh, there's a lot of coordination. I was I was in Grand Isle um, all day yesterday. There's a lot of coordination between the National Guard. They actually have National Guard and active duty down there, which are doing a great job doing a lot of the sand work along LA-1 um, and some of the other state routes there. The DOTD contractor is also starting sand debris removal uh, and debris collection on their state routes today. We started debris on the Paris routes um, earlier this week, and we have the debris management site set up there as well. So Grand Isle is uh, certainly its own unique animal. Uh, but it is growing. I, I was with the mayor for and Brian Adams. They're, they really are doing a great job coordinating. But, of course, they're kind of their own separate little entities uh, in, in operations amongst themselves. We have separate project managers for those as well. They have uh, certainly some unique uh, uh, challenges uh, for each one. So, anyways, those are going as well. I know the uh, Zeta pickup last year took roughly a couple of months for all the debris. The question that we get the most probably about the debris pickup is how long is it going to take? What you've seen so far, what you know is still out there, what is your best guess or estimate on how long it's going to take to complete this? I know the contract says up to six months. We hope it's not going to take that long. What's your estimate? So we we are moving, uh, I think yesterday, well, um, when the rain, before the rain started, we were doing over 25,000 yards a day. So we're really just at our ramp-up level at this point. That will go up from here. Um, and then, of course, it will naturally tail off. You know, we believe first pass is what we consider that we make every zone, we go down every street. First pass is, is usually can be done in the first 30 days. Um, this latest uh, debris might, or this latest, you know, rain event might actually bring out more debris uh, because those that didn't have a lot of rain uh, during the storm might have now you know, water damage, so there might be more debris coming out. So we still feel very comfortable that in the first 30 days we'll make that first pass on veg and then the C&D as well, C&D construction, demolition debris, you know, carpets, drywall, that fun stuff. Um, and then the, the second pass and then probably the third pass will last probably for another month or two. You know, we really do believe that after, in, you know, the waste stream is an interesting stream. It, it, it kind of is a live, living, breathing item. The homeowners have to get it out. The private contractors have to get it out to the rights of way. So we have to let it naturally come out. After first pass, first pass is going to be big. Second pass will probably be smaller than first pass, uh, but because we're going to get so much on the first pass, I think in three to four months you'll you'll really see things really look very normal. 
we'll still have trucks here doing these individual things from time to time. But um, uh, I really think after about two to three months, it's really going to look very, very normal around here. Grand Isle is a little unique. Lafitte is a little unique. But east, traditional east and west bank, um, uh, I think you can see a lot of progress there. Councilman Pistato. Um, my question is, you're talking about first pass, second pass. Um, what are you picking up at those intervals? So what, what can our... What can our constituents expect is on the curb and will be picked up by you guys? Okay, so first pass um, is both vegetative debris and C&D debris. Usually what we do, and this is what we're doing now, we hit the bulky vegetation debris because that's usually the bulkier stuff. We grab that first. Three limbs, leaves. Yes, sir. Get that out of the way. Then on that same zone, we then come back and do the C&D. That's first pass. C and D. Uh, construction demolition debris, so roof shed, shingles, things that, that, that would have blown off. If you had flood damage, sheetrock, carpet, furniture, uh, white goods, so white goods are refrigerators, um, appliances, and things like that are, are all first pass. That's first? First pass, yes, sir. At the same pickup? like No, sir. We'll do first pass is really actually... So that truck is going to pass you by twice in first pass. One time for vegetation, second time for construction demolition debris. And then second pass is the exact same way, um, uh, vegetation, construction demolition debris. And, um, and, so, and what are the intervals that one should expect between those passes? Here it's probably going to be about two weeks between if you see a truck today, It'll probably be coming back in about two weeks to get the next pass. And you mentioned zones. Um, how many trucks, I don't know, do you call them trucks, trailers? I, I don't know what the, the, the vernacular is uh, in, this, in this environment, but what, how many trucks or trailers do you have per zone? We have, uh, well, I'll let Steve answer that. Sure. So that's based on the debris and the type of zone that it is. In some cases, uh, there's much more commercial. So we are running between two trucks and eight trucks in each zone based on our assessment of the debris needs and uh, what's, what's currently on the streets. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Councilman Banana. The 76 that he mentioned earlier, most of those are what we call double bangers. So it has a, the truck itself, and then it's pulling a big trailer. So most of those trucks are hauling 150 cubic yards each. So they're big, big trucks. Thank you. you. Mentioned earlier that you're in, currently in 27 zones. Is that correct? You know we have almost 60 zones. So that's half of our zones you don't even have a truck in yet. When can we anticipate having trucks in there? No, sir. These zones were provided by the parish. They are the evacuation zones, and they cover those 27 cover the entire parish. I don't know how the evacuation zone plays into this. Nobody's evacuated that's, anymore. No, no, no. That's just the zones that were that were provided. Same zones we used from last year. I agree. Okay, but. I've been doing this for a long time. If you count the zones we have, there's close to 60 zones, and that doesn't include the cities. So the map, this map right here that's being put up by Thompson, the white zones are zones that have no debris collections in it. When can we see debris? And seven of those are in my district, which was heavily, heavily impacted. When can we expect to see trucks in those zones? Immediately. There are, there are trucks in every zone currently. Not according to this map. Thompson, can somebody from the administration answer that question? Because this is your map. I didn't make this map. This is your map. Hi, I'm Dean Wolcott with Thompson Consulting Services. Uh, 
we're the monitoring firm that works side by side with DRC uh, for FEMA uh, eligibility documentation. Uh, is that map from today? On the parish website. Yes, it is from today. I printed it this morning when I got to my office. So this is the mixed message we're sending our citizens. I'm getting my butt whipped every day. You can ask my staff. My phone rings from the time they walk in to the time they walk out because they go online and they look at this map and they want to know why is the West Bank of Jefferson Parish considered less important than the East Bank? Mm -hmm. Look at the pink on the East Bank. Look at the white on the West Bank. It's District 1 and District 2. There must be a disconnect, and I'll, I'll correct that. Please later. correct that immediately. immediately. Sure. Thank you. Yes. The parish has hired you, but what, what is the situation with the municipalities or other companies are doing that work? Is that the reason why that map might be blank in those areas? Well, I'm just curious. yeah, the, 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 some of the town cities within the parish are doing their own debris. They're, the, they're going to be their own applicant. So they're not in this program. So, yeah. And so you'll see those, uh, with the exception of uh, Lafitte is in our program, Grand Isle is in our program. But uh, those blank spaces there for uh, the cities within Jefferson Parish, um, they're doing their own debris work and they're going to monitor it themselves separately. I'm sorry, what is your name again, sir? Dean Walcott. Dean. Y'all know my history. You know, I've done this for a long time. I was parish's former emergency manager. I handled the debris collection for the parish, mm -hmm. Trina. One of the issues y'all need to address is called cherry picking. You know what I'm talking about. I was on Dodge Avenue in Old Jefferson yesterday talking to a resident about a down line that a, an anti-truck pulled off his lawn. Here comes a double-sided truck down the street, and guess what he did? He passed up the little piles, and he went to every big pile. If you don't think my ass got chewed out by the resident saying, why wasn't my pile picked up? Because he's cherry picking. The debris monitor was riding right with him, and I asked him, what are y'all doing? Well, we're filling the truck up. That can't happen. Your monitors have got to stay with those trucks and make sure every citizen is treated equally and their piles are picked up at the same time. I will make sure that is so. Councilman Templer. Yeah, I just want a clarification on white goods uh, and appliances. Uh, one of those being picked up, uh, and are they being picked up like when you're picking up the roofing material or sheetrock, or do they have to be piled separately? Because that's an important question because people are naturally, especially with the second storm, are throwing other things out. And they might have at that one point thinking they were saving their refrigerator or their washer and dryer and throwing it to the curb today uh, or sitting already at that curb. So how are those being picked up and timing-wise? So uh, the white goods will indeed need to be picked up, uh, collected separately. Um, they will be a separate haul unit um, entirely, and we would uh, we would anticipate doing those after that first pass is complete and going into the second pass. So uh, it would be uh, uh, after approximately 30 days from the start of the collection. Okay, and, and on, on top of Councilman Bonanno's question about the map, is there any way to be able to incorporate in the map where people can have some type of, like we've got a new world, new technology, where people could see real time where the vehicles are? Okay, uh, I know that's something different, but, you know, uh, we have the capability of trying to show about where a vehicle is going to be in a neighborhood or not. Uh, you know, just so people, if they're watching the site or not, uh, look, that puts more pressure on you, but it lets our constituents know that something's in the route, you know. Yeah, the, the public-facing map that, that uh, Councilman Bonanno was showing, that, that's something that's there uh, updated regularly for public consumption. 
the, the debris managers for the parish and the council persons all have that portal access, um, which is real-time data. It's updated hourly, uh, and that's really kind of the key to knowing what's going on where. Um, and if you, if, you, if you go in there, go into the maps, you'll be amazed. Um, I actually have printed out some uh, I can uh, show you. Uh, you'll see literally where debris piles are being picked up uh, on an hourly basis, and that tells you where action is happening um, lot, pretty much live. When I asked about that, I tried to go in the portal and get that. I had no access to it, and I was told by our staff, the parish staff, that it wasn't available to the parish yet. So maybe that's something I need to work on. I'll definitely work on that. Uh, I know I've requested everyone present here uh, to have access, and you should get a, a link through an email, um, and I'll, I'll double-check to make sure that that's... No, the link's there. Okay. The map portion of it isn't active. When you click on Maps, it just does nothing. That's, I apologize for that. I'll, I'll get on that right away. Thank you. Councilman Van Vryken. I just wanted to clarify with you to make sure my understanding is correct because, as Councilman Bonanno said, if someone, if a resident sees a truck in the area and it doesn't address their debris pile, they're un unhappy. What I've seen in, um, in my neighborhood, I saw one of those big double trucks um, come by and pick up the large trees um, and put those in the larger vehicles. And then I saw little bobcats moving through to pick up the smaller debris and put that in a separate smaller vehicle. Is that generally how you're doing it? Yes, in many cases. And I spent uh, a couple hours on Dodge yesterday afternoon um, after getting receiving the phone call. And in many cases, they are under uh, low-hanging trees. They're under power lines. And the larger trucks with the large boom, it's a hazard to get in there, uh, could create damage. So we come back through with a separate piece of equipment. Um, I'm on the ground daily uh, out at the residence talking to the folks. I return all the phone calls. I let them know what we are, uh, you know, where we're at. On Dodge yesterday, for example, I went through and documented uh, half a dozen or more piles that have been contaminated with C&D debris in terms of the veg. So, you know, certainly segregation and keeping that is going to uh, help reduce those complaints. Um, but, yes, we will come through, depending on the overhead hazard, we would have to use two separate pieces of equipment. Yes, absolutely. I, I've spent a good deal of time in your neighborhood as well. And, and for the benefit of anybody who's watching, too, what is the reason they can't put the sheetrock and the tree debris in the same pile? So it's, it's obviously two separate waste streams. The vegetative debris is taken to a DMS site and ground um, and reduced, if you will, a lot of times being able to be recycled or reused in some, some fashion. Uh, the C&D needs to go to the landfill. So we're chipping the trees That's correct. on a separate site um, so that people understand, again, why they're, why they're taken separately. I think information so empowers folks to understand the process. Yes, so in that case, what happens? Does it just not get picked up? Yes, if it's, it, it will get picked up during that, the C&D pass. Right, so it is going to get picked up. Oh, absolutely. It's get picked up differently. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. now considered C&D. Absolutely, yes, sir. You need to clarify that to our citizens. That yeah, and many times they're, they're just... They're not going to get picked up in the, with the trees. Sure, and, and many times there's confusion. Things such as, you know, uh, fence boards, fence posts, things like that. It's wood, so they think it can go in there. Unfortunately, it can't. So then they see us pass by that pile because it has that in there, and they're upset that their pile didn't get picked up. But um, we have... Uh, we have 
many, many project managers uh, in riding through all of these neighborhoods, talking to your residents, clarifying things, and solving problems. So as they come up, we try to be uh, extremely proactive in solving those issues. Anyone else? DRC, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Waste Connections? Waste Connections is our garbage contractor. Um, good morning, Parish President, Council. I'm Clay Richardson, Buddy Gonlags, over our operations here in Bridge City. Um, I wanted to start by letting you know where we started off beginning of the storm. The Friday before the storm hit, when Waste Connections covers all of the coast all the way down into Florida, so we're pretty familiar with um, hurricanes. We staged a site outside of the cone, which was in Lafayette and Dusan area this time, bringing all the generators, fuel, food, supplies for all of our employees to get them back to the area as soon as possible. That happened Friday and Saturday prior to the storm. Um, after the storm hit Monday, I tried to get down here. We couldn't. Tuesday, we were back in the area bringing supplies in, and Wednesday, we started relocating our employees back, the ones that evacuated. Some are still out because they've lost houses or flooded mainly in the Laplace area. Um, we brought the food. As soon as it was safe for them to start, we started feeding them in the morning. We got them back to work. We let the parish know that we would start up that Monday in full swing with you know all of our trucks running. We started actually Thursday before trying to get a bunch of the tons off the road. This was mainly in the East Bank side. That's the section that we're working. Um, and we got three days worth of what well, we ran through the weekend also, but we got those three days before we started into Monday. Um, September 2nd, when we put the trucks back on the road, we rolled into Monday the 6th. We started running the additional recycle trucks. We've, um, you know, we've since suspended recycling because of, you know, it's just so much debris on the road. We took our recycle trucks, added them into bag collections. We're running those bag collection zones the same way so it can be organized as we run our recycle collection routes. So it's, it's kind of hard to decipher, but when we run a Monday, Thursday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, and a Wednesday, Friday on your stops, our recycle routes cover a bigger area. So we just finished on our bag routes on our Monday recycle route. That's how much debris is. They're hauling about two loads a day, anywhere from 12 to 15 tons per truck. So it's about 30 tons a day they're bringing off the street of recycling trucks of solid waste. The way we defined the solid waste when we got out here is anything that's white bag coming out of your kitchen beside the carts, we've told them to pick it up on the first pass. We've asked to get it, get it picked up. Um, and if you see a black bag that you think could, could have um, garbage or, and this is, Kind of hard to say, but if it had maggots on it, we picked it up. Um, there's a lot of bags we probably, you know, could have missed on the first pass. I don't know. River Birch, on the other hand, on the the West Bank, they were running more automated trucks, so they went and got all their carts, and they've already been through there two times also, or now they're on their third pass. They're going back this weekend to do bag collection to get the extra bags and outside the cart debris. The same thing with um, our other subcontractor, Romelli, that's kind of concentrated mainly in the River Ridge area and certain parts of um, Metairie and the outskirts of Kenner. 
they're going back and they're running an additional truck today. Now they're running two extra trucks now to pick up their extra bag waste. Um, I'm, and it's hard to say, but I'm pleased with as far as we've came so far. We've picked up 57% tonnage more since the storm than normal weeks of pickup. And um, that's, that's like picking up 50,000 more homes in a solid week. And that's, it's pretty phenomenal. We've had some good workers. We've been feeding our guys to come in in the morning. We feed them lunch. We feed them dinner. We bring them gas for generators because there was no gas supply over here and we didn't want them sitting in lines. So, I mean, I, I know that there's a lot of complaints and what we've done, we've got our supervisors, we put extra ones on the road, our recycle supervisor and another one that are taking, you know, any calls or emails or complaints of streets that haven't been hit. Um, and I'm not going to tell you that 100% of every can that's on a street, you know, was serviced because there could have been a tree company there and we went on around instead of sitting there waiting on a tree company or a debris truck. We, you know, seeing a bunch of those on the streets. But um, we've been GPS in every truck to make sure they catch an entire area and there could be a street in there. And we're sending people back as we identify those. So, you know, just keep letting, it's, it's a good system that the, the parish has that it, it puts it all under one log and we can see it instead of, you know, somebody calling us and somebody else calling us and somebody else calling us. But um, it's getting better. We're back on our normal day route as of today. We're picking up Wednesday's trash on Wednesday. Tomorrow we'll be on Monday and Thursday route on Monday and Thursday. That leads into what I was going to ask you. Um, there are, there's a lot of frustration out there, obviously. But within that frustration, I think there needs to be built in some reasonable expectations. And you've dealt with a lot. You just mentioned the tonnage that you all have cleaned up. Uh, so what can people expect when some say they still haven't had their first pass, whether they missed it because they were out of town and back in town after the pickup came, or they just weren't aware that it happened. What about those people who say it's rotting, it's awful, we haven't had our first pass yet, we haven't seen a truck? If, if, if their day is Thursday, they'll be picked up tomorrow. If it's Wednesday and Saturday, they'll be picked up today. But we can assure our constituents Absolutely. that they'll be back on their normal schedules as of today without Absolutely. delay. Okay. Yeah. And Except for the bags. I mean, not all of your bag waste. We're getting but just the tipper what, carts. Yeah, tipper carts. Absolutely. Um, we're getting numerous, numerous people that are going back right behind us, dumping a can, filling a can up. We're seeing it. Um, we have video of it behind the truck. We actually dump a can, roll it to the street, and you can see out the back video of them reloading the can. And I mean, there's nothing we can do. We can't back back down the street because then we're jeopardizing all the rest of the people. And it's hard for us to pull off a route and go, you know, pick up another street and so-and-so. But we're doing that at the end of the day. So if we get an email or something for you, we want to get that picked up. Um, also, just yesterday, I was, I was with one of my supervisors in the, um, I think it was on Princeton. There was a, he said, look at these bags out here. He said, there's no cart. Well, there was a ton of bags put out with no cart. And there were white bags. And I said, well, get them. Just pick them up. And they did. They picking them up. And we're asking our recycle trucks that's going behind the other trucks to pick up every single bag that's not buried into debris. And some of them do have shingles that we can't lift. There's some construction heavy bags that they just can't manually lift. Those will be left down for the, I guess, the C&D that they're going to have to, um, they're going to have to get it, you know, into a pile because we can't do that. All right, we've got Councilwoman Van Franken, Councilman Impostato, and then Councilman Bonanno. Go ahead, Councilwoman. Okay. 
You mentioned that you have the ability to track through GPS what areas your trucks are rolling in. So how do you account or explain for the areas that have not had um, a single pass? Are you able to see the zones that absolutely. have not been hit? And, and what, what's the reason for those being missed? We're, we're absolutely. And, and, and in your area, uh, we've gotten a few streets that we actually covered, and we had GPS that we had covered them. So, and our trucks now, after last year's debacle with everything that we went through, we started GPS in every truck and video in all four sides of routes. And um, it's, it's super hard to just go to 500 addresses a day, but we can identify, I can go back to identify. The video evidence or the videos don't stay in the system because it's so much data, but we can go back within like a 48 or um, three day time and look and see and some of the streets i got a list from catherine yesterday that sent us in your area and i had my supervisor go out and identify it and pull them up and probably three quarters of them were picked up prior to yesterday and then the um the rest of them were in the ramelli's pickup zone and that was going to be my next question do the ramelli trucks that are the subcontractor in the area are they gps uh, and video enabled also no, ma'am. So if a Ramelli truck is responsible for an area and residents are saying they have not had a single pickup, it could be possible that they haven't had a pickup and you don't have any data on that. It could be. And, I've, you know, I've, 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 we brought those, the ones that I got, I sent over to their, their operations guy, and he said he was going to look into it, and that was, you know, yesterday when I got that list. So he is identifying those. I would suggest the subcontractor needs the same technology and they need to make that investment because it's leaving large portions of Metairie um, really unable to have the benefit of that data. And they don't know it's a subcontractor. They just know <clears throat> it's your company, it's the parish that's supposed to be picking up the trash. So it seems like uh, a bit of a, a, a flaw in the system that we need to correct moving forward. Okay. Councilman Epistata. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have to take a little bit of issue with suggesting that we're back to normal tomorrow. Um, and, and I kind of I have an issue if, if we're ramping down our collection because it's not normal. We're not normal. Um, and there are quite a few streets that I know are not under the Ramelli subcontract, and they're not, that, um, I mean, if you roll the window down, you can almost vomit from the stench. Um, and so, and, and the challenge I have is of the, the District 4, uh, roughly 62% of District 4 uh, is in the city of Kenner. I got to tell you, Kenner, which next to Lafitte and Grand Isle was the most ravaged area of Jefferson Parish from the storm, their trash collection is back to normal. And I got to tell I have not, literally not gotten a single complaint on the Kenner side of our district, not a single one on trash pickup. Because it's done. It literally, we, we're getting reports that they've had two to three trash pickups since the storm. I don't, I am confident, and I've gotten tons and tons of complaints since I made, in a stroke of genius, decided to put my cell phone number on the um, parish website. Um, the complaints I've, I've gotten to field, uh, the privilege of fielding, um, include way outside District 4. And I got to tell you, I, the, the the number of complaints it's pretty significant so i would suggest we're not in a position have you sent those to me what's that have you sent those 
to to me or anybody to I know we've uh, sent we've probably not directly to you I mean I think we we forwarded internally uh, through our reporting process I'm just suggesting to you that and I'm not necessarily saying you're not handling the complaints I'm just suggesting that and if part of it's you know Ramelli's handling then that's that's fine too I'm just suggesting and taking issue with the concept that we're going back to normal. I, I don't, we're not, I don't we're see not, it. I, I don't see it. I didn't say we were going back to normal. We're still running extra trucks. Okay. We're back on our normal day. Okay. It could be. I, I misunderstand that. I'm a little we're running our normal day schedule now. We're caught up with running everybody's cart, but we're just not. We haven't been on the same day of cart pickup. And I look. I've I've talked to numerous people and said, I'm telling you, I was not picked up on my day. No, ma'am, you weren't. You're picked up the day after, but your cart wasn't out. We've looked at it. People are literally rolling their cart to the street on their Tuesday pickup, rolling it back some. Most of them are leaving them out, and that's good. But as of today, we're picking up on their normal days. I mean, so what I've witnessed are, and I can recognize the stench, it's the same nasty can that's been out there for a couple of weeks now. So, um, If you would yeah. let the environmental office know so they yeah. can send it to us, I would, I'd like to identify those streets so we can see what happened. You got it. Councilman Bonanno. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. First of all, the issue I want to address is bags. So does anybody have a clear picture of where we're at with being able to reconcile picking up the cart at the same time as the bags? Because to me, that is the primary issue we're all facing. Yeah, and the reason we started on carts, um, Councilman, is that was where everybody put the solid waste. So we went one week on the straight carts. Now, we added the extra bag pickup, but they cannot sweep the whole area with bags in the same day. Right. It was just, it was phenomenal. It was 57% more garbage. No. So, to starting tomorrow, our rear loaders that are running our regular routes will start picking up their own bags also. Um, and that's, that's ours as far as the waste connections. River Birch is picking theirs up this weekend. And um, Ramelli started today with um, another extra truck. In addition, he'd started running one. He said he's going to run another one starting today, picking up bags. And people continue to put bags out behind you. Yeah. So it kind of feels like we're chasing our tail. <laughs> it does, but I mean, it's expected. And I know as you, some people, I looked at River Ridge, it's solid windrows. And there's, there's, this, there's nowhere for them to put stuff. It's solid windrows. And, they putting it out, they're moving it out, and they're putting more out beside it again. I mean, and we just have to keep continuing. We're going to keep ramped up until we finish. So who, I'm glad you brought up River Ridge because that's my next topic. Who collects River Ridge, you guys or Romelli? Romelli. Yeah, River Ridge is a problem area, I'm going to tell you right now. I get more complaints, probably 80% of my complaints about garbage not being picked up is coming out of River Ridge. And I appreciate a lot of the problem is River Ridge was devastated. If you have a heavy tree canopy, you are devastated. But I have personally driven down streets where garbage has not yet been picked up. Green cans, Drolla Avenue is one of them. That was a, a disaster area. So how do we get to the point? We, I don't have a contract with Romali. You do. How do we get to the point where we have some accountability? I, I've addressed. That's why I rode to River Ridge because I was getting a lot of complaints. And, um, and I went to look, and there, there have been some that you can tell when the white bags are in the garbage and they piled on top of the can and ramped around the can that those areas haven't been serviced. We found some in ours that happened to be missed and we went back to get them but I've addressed it with um, their operations and also when we finish running our bags here we're fixing to go and start assisting them and there's hopefully this will be next week. Is River so, Ridge a Wednesday Saturday route? 
I'm, I'm, I can't verify it. What I would like to request you guys do is when River Ridge's next route is, you have your supervisors in those neighborhoods following behind them and then report back to us that everything was picked up. Okay. Do you think we need to get to the point, and we've done this in the past, with, listen, if we have to hire dump trucks to drive down the street behind you guys and throw bags in the dump trucks, look, we got to think out the, outside the box sometimes. So if that's what it's going to take to get caught up on the bags, let's think outside the box. But you guys are the experts. If you need help, you got to let us know. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Councilman Lee? Yes. I've received 40 complaints from citizens in my district, from Avondale, Wagman, Marrero, you name it. But in particular, Woodmere subdivision is the largest subdivision in the state of Louisiana. And you drive in, and I've personally driven down streets such as Greenbrier, and not one trash can has been picked up on that street. Not one. So it's unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. I've talked to Gus, who represents your organization many a time, and I'd ask him specific questions because I have folks in, on South Jamie, uh, Mr. Rodriguez, who's concerned about uh, the pickups in the community. Now, he told me yesterday that, meaning Gus, that they would be picking up on South Jamie today. I'm going to hold you all to that. I'm going to hold you all to that. But Plantation Estates, which is in Marrero, they're complaining as well. So there's complaints all, all over my district about the lack of uh, picking up of garbage. And certainly I know we know that the, the, that the after uh, effects of a storm is in many cases worse than the storm storm and you explain the things you all have to do but there's no excuses for not picking up trash in Woodmere nor south nor in south off of south Jamie nor anywhere else in Avondale and Wagaman all of that and so your percentages of, of pickup is increasing and and I commend that but there are people who are being left behind and I can't accept that so I would ask you to have someone to drive down Greenbrier and go see it for yourself. I did, Councilman, myself. I, I rode over on the West Bank Saturday to see if River Birch was caught up, you know, in their, their spots. And there were several that were missed. And I let them know, you know, the areas that I did, you know, see that were down. I've got residents that live over there, and they said they haven't been picked up. But we addressed it with them. They said they were sending somebody and. I've got to go with what he says, that he had picked it up, and apparently he hasn't. I'll go double-check again. Well, it's not. Okay. It's not, and that's what's unacceptable. And we, we and, and listen, I don't, I don't want to say something or speak out of line, but there was some, somebody said earlier about cherry-picking, and I just hope that's not happening. Okay? I'd have to ask them. I'd find out what's going on. All right. Councilman Template. And, and this is just, look, I echo all of my colleagues' comments, but uh, this is on another note. I don't know what y'all are doing with roll-off containers uh, as well. I know under, under this time as you have some of those that are overflowing well, as well that are impacting areas. I've called personally uh, down in Lafitte at the Fish Pavilion where they're serving 2,000 meals a day to people still and trying to feed those people and get them supplies. 
I've called since Sunday to have a roll-off container picked up, which has y'all name on the side of it, that is overflowing with food, product, boxes all over the ground that's actually becoming a safety hazard where they're serving people meals and supplies that they need uh, at that location. So we really need to see if we can get someone down there to oh, yeah. clean that up and move that out of the way. Okay. And on that note, I had one question from Barataria. When should Barataria expect a pickup? Do you know? Um, I know it's a challenge, right? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll ask River Birch today when, when I get okay. this meeting. Barataria, the, the whole area? or Yeah, okay. just Barataria in general. And I, I mean, when I spoke to him this morning, he said that they had tried to go in Lafitte but couldn't cross the bridge. Is that is that Mr. Chairman, that's my understanding from the EOC, is that the, the trash um, trucks cannot be on that bridge, so we're, that is an issue that we have to work on. So it will have to be ferried over? On the Barataria side. Yeah, yeah, on the Barataria side, yes. Side. Not, not Lafitte as a whole. Like no, not Lafitte, but crossing over to Barataria, and that was part of my comment. So and, we, and we I, know I, that issue. And, I, and that kind of bothers me some, too, because those bridges are designed for tanks to cross, okay? Uh, so you know, I don't know how a garbage truck can't cross, I'm just saying. Right. So we, we were made aware of that, and our emergency operations center is looking toward another solution. We've used a ferry before to get a truck over there, right, when the bridge went out last year? Yes. We took a truck over there on a ferry. Is that something we've looked into again to try? Yeah, what we did last time uh, when the bridge was hit on Zeta, we used a barge to bring a garbage truck across uh, a couple of times. So. One thing I'd like to add also, um, thanks to Mr. Lachute and Mr. Drews, we, we – Per the contract in the recycle side, we have to run CNG trucks. And after we had acquired a generator, had it set up, you know, prior to the storm, I don't know, was it this parish or somebody else commandeered it, took it, we couldn't get it. We went all the way to Indiana, had one being shipped. It got sent somewhere else. It's a 600 kW. Our whole building and facility and diesel fuels are all ran off of our generator. We just got power yesterday to fuel our CNG trucks. So that should speed. We've been sitting eight hours a day over by the airport at a CNG filling station, and they came and turned it on yesterday, so thank y'all um, for helping that out or if, you know, expediting it. So we're able to fill our trucks up today, so we won't be sitting, be able to pick up more trash. Thank you. I think that's it from up here. Uh, Councilman Edwards. Yeah, there have been discussions about barging across. There are a number of problems involved with the weather. You muted yourself. Am I on? Okay, thank you. Uh, about barging the, the, across, and one of the problems with that temporary bridge is the wait time, and uh, it, taking uh, garbage trucks for pickup across will interfere with what's already an intolerable wait. So there are just a number of problems that need to be addressed there, but I know there have been discussions about that, and I think they'll have a, a solution for that coming up shortly. Thank you. Anyone else? Mr. Chairman, if I could just get clarification from Mr. Richardson. So um, are you in the mode of only when you go up to a house, you're just picking up the can or you're picking up the can as well as the bags on the side of the can now? We're picking up the, the can as, and uh, the bags along with the can um, as of tomorrow. Now, like we're running extra trucks picking up just bags, but we're sweeping areas like a recycle route area. And like I said, yesterday's, we just completed Mondays from the week before. We start on Tuesdays now, and then we'll go to Wednesdays after that. So, so just, you know, for future storms so we can alert our public, 
I think we need to get in this mode if this is how it's going to be. If you have stinky food, you've got to put it in the bin. Like the priority is if you – sometimes people start cleaning up their woody waste and putting it in bags and they put it in the bin. But we should be in the mode of, you know, the most stinky, rotting stuff needs to get placed in the bin. Is that – I just want to make sure we don't have to still get that message out. You're, you're From tomorrow, you're picking up the garbage can as well as the bags on the side of it. Correct. Okay. Thank you all. Appreciate it. And just a tip, I used about a whole um, couple-gallon bucket of bleach in my can after it was finally picked up and then put some Arm & Hammer on top of that, rinsed it out, and did some more bleach, and there was still a little bit of smell in there. Um, it's going to linger Chairman, a little just while. so you know from personal experience, maggots don't die with bleach, so just okay. – Noted. <laughs> they, they swim. They swim. Uh, Noted. <laughs> I. Is our representative from Cox here now? Cox Communications. All right, we'll hold on Cox. Uh, AT&T. I think that's Cox who just walked in, so we'll get to you right after AT&T. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Council Chair, uh, Council Members. I'm Eric Jones with AT&T, Regional Director, External Affairs. Uh, I'll give my report today on AT&T's uh, restoration efforts uh, before, during, and after, after the storm. Just one second here, please. If you need a minute, we can put Cox okay. ahead of you. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, just pulling, pulling it back up here. Give me just one second. Okay, in, in preparation of the storm, uh, we installed generators at critical cell towers and switching facilities and moved electronic essentials to network operations above expected flood levels. Additionally, our network disaster recovery team was on standby and prepared to deploy assets as needed. Throughout the year, we practiced readiness drills to ensure that uh, we're ready to respond in times of disasters such as this. We've invested heavily in the state of Louisiana, uh, and we're prepared to strike as needed. In the days leading up to landfall, our crews were positioning equipment to be ready for quick and effective response for Ida's uh, impact. The AT&T Network Disaster Recovery Program is one of the industry's largest and most advanced disaster response programs. Our fleet includes hundreds of technology recovery and support traders that can be quickly deployed to support customers and first responders. Response equipment readied uh, at the wake of the storm include 
mobile sales sites and mobile command centers like Sale on Wheels, uh, Sale on Light Trucks, emergency communications vehicles, flying sail towers on wings, numerous amphibious vehicles, drones, self-sufficient base camps, hazmat equipment, and technology to support trailers to provide support on the ground. Because our teams were ready, staged, we were able to respond quickly and effectively to IDA's impact. In-home broadband and voice communication service. Of the homes that we know have been impacted by Hurricane Ida, we've restored 98% of those customers. When we say that we know of, when we think about the boxes in the communities, we monitor um, uh, that those boxes are online. Uh, now, there could be some drops torn away from homes. There could be some equipment uh, that were damaged inside homes. We ask those customers to make sure they call in to AT&T, report that trouble. Uh, if they don't want to call in, they can use att.com or my ATT app to report that trouble. Again, we monitor our equipment. Uh, we deployed numerous generators. At the last count, there was well over 1,000 generators deployed uh, to ensure those boxes in the field were up. Uh, even though commercial power had not yet been restored. In addition, disruptions to commercial power can affect service for our customers even once repairs have been made. We ask that we keep that in mind. For our wireless network, currently our wireless network is, oper is operating normally within the parish and will continue to improve statewide as our crews optimize the facilities. We have conducted assessments of our facilities by helicopter, with drones, and as conditions allowed through in-person, on-site assessments. We have, experienced, we have experienced limited wireless service impacts that are primarily caused when our lines are accidentally cut during debris cleanup and other restoration efforts. While we have not seen this really impact us in Jefferson Parish, we ask that, that the debris cleanup team, uh, those that are working electrical workers, be very diligent not to cut any lines that are on the ground because they can impact critical services. Storm restoration response. We have a very large employee base here in Louisiana, and many have come from abroad to assess, specifically from six states. Um, these teams were staged in Baton Rouge, Homa and Slidell, providing critical support to our Louisiana employees as we repair and restore services. To support our work, we have established logistical support centers for equipment, generators, spare parts, fuel, food, medical lodging, and maintenance. Wide-scale refueling and support from our extensive deployment of approximately 1,000 generators in the absence of commercial power. In fact, we have used more than 500,000 gallons of fuel that we brought in to impacted areas so we wouldn't impact the supply chain for consumers in the market. For our fleet of repair and response vehicles and to ensure continued generation operator, operations the absence in, the, in the absence of commercial power. From a customer care perspective, we continue to provide relief for our wireless customers um, waiving overage charges on talk, text, and data. Um, those customers that are continues to experience issues, again, they can reach out to att.com, they can use my ATT app, or call in over the phone. Uh, most customers who call have the option 
uh, to leave a message and get a call back at their, at their request. Again, the numbers they can call for wireless support is 800-331-0500 or for in-home support, 800-288-2020. Uh, I'll say that our stores reopened um, three days after the storm. Um, we, the, the first store opened on Clearview Parkway on, uh, on that Thursday after the storm. Uh, our, our additional store opened on the West Bank on Manhattan on that Friday after the storm. AT&T also partnered with the parish to deploy mobile charging stations at four fire stations here within uh, the parish, and uh, we will continue to support Jefferson Parish as needed. What questions do you have? Thank you. Councilman Bonanno. Good morning, Mr. Jones. Thank you for being here. Does AT&T employ an outage map online? Uh, yes, we do. So, and it's been pretty accurate throughout this event? Oh, it's been accurate. You know, I've been in contact with various constituents uh, here in Jefferson Parish on the North Shore, and uh, as they've told me, they've been out. Uh, they shared the outage map, that, and the outage map has not changed. So, yes, we do have an outage map. Are there any particular areas of the parish as we speak today that you're having difficulty restoring services to? No, according to the outage map in Jefferson Parish, I'm not reporting or seeing any outages at this time. Uh, again, 98% of our customers have been restored. If customers are experiencing issues, we ask them to, to either go online, report the trouble through att.com, use their MyATT app, or call in. You know, we've, we've received uh, numerous, uh, uh, I wouldn't say numerous, some um, requests from various council members here. We've been able to address those quickly. And again, if they're still experiencing issues, even though there are no outage, we ask them to, to call in a trouble report. And last, I believe you answered this in your statement. So did you say that you are waiving all fees that, are, that from the day the storm hit to the day storage to services restored? So uh, from October, excuse me, from August 29th, uh, currently uh, we are waiving uh, wireless fees for talk, text, and data overages. Uh, so if there are any overages when it comes to mobile, whether it's prepaid or postpaid, we're waiving those charges. What about land-based lines? Um, you know, as far as fees, uh, there's typically, you know, not many fees that we just charge for overages. So there's not been, been any issues. But if you have something specific that you like to address from a landline perspective, I'll be more than willing to look uh, at example, it. Example, so if I couldn't use my landline for two weeks because of the storm. Am I charged the following month for the entire month, or are there any credits being issued? Uh, so at this point, you know, I'm going to ask to call in, and you can, uh, we can have some individual discussions with uh, our service reps. Uh, at this time, there's been no formal statements put out on credits due to uh, service outages. On behalf of our citizens, I'd like you all, a request for you all to do something along that lines that, you know, if you knew the entire parish was out or a whole area was out, instead of making people call in, that you at least consider giving those people a credit since they didn't have the availability for their service line. I'll take that note down. Thank yes. you. You left out one way of communicating problems, Councilman Impostato's cell phone. He's next. <laughs> It's an AT&T <laughs> cell phone, by the way. Um, but um, for, first of all, I want to say, um, Eric, I, I can tell you of all, and, and no discredit to any other provider or utility company or anything, I think you called 
me while the storm was bearing down to see what needs we had in our district. Um, I mean, I'll tell you what, y'all were AT&T, from, from my perspective, my involvement, y'all were y'all reached out uh, in a huge way to, to see what could be done. And, of course, you were clear, look, until power got back on, that, you know, prevented a lot. But to piggyback on, on a discussion Councilman Bonanno had, if 98% are restored of the remaining 2%, is it case by case or is it particular sections or neighborhoods where you're seeing the outages that are, that are remaining? So uh, there are no known outages of our equipment at our neighborhood boxes. Um, one of the things we did uh, even prior to the storm, we started staging generators and the loss of commercial power to make sure that those boxes are on. Now, of the 2% uh, that do remain out, uh, again, you know, it's just from a volume perspective, we've not been able to totally catch up and be 100% restored. So as from a neighborhood perspective, we're not experiencing any quote-unquote neighborhood outages, just the overall volume of customers calling in, reporting trouble. You know, um, we're, we're working to get toward those. And we ask, again, ask if customers are experiencing trouble, make sure you call in. Uh, make sure you go online. Make sure you use that app to report the trouble so we can get out to you as quickly as we possibly can. And then my last set of questions, and this is purely anecdotal on my part, but based on complaints we received, it had seemed the neighborhoods where you had underground, where AT&T had underground fiber installed seemed to fare better in terms of the outages than others. Is that, is that fair? Um, so I think uh, Patrick and Entergy reported that there were 30,000 uh, down uh, poles. Um, you know, if the poles are down, um, you know, we can anticipate that there is going to be some service interruptions. Uh, underground facilities are less likely to be damaged due to high winds. There's still some boxes that come up that can, that can be damaged. But uh, uh, I think that, that, that assessment can, can, can be accurate. I guess what I'm asking is, do we take it, and maybe it's too early to tell, do we, from, and again, I'm not talking about energy at this point. I'm talking about, you know, for your services, the AT&T services. Is there a takeaway here that you feel y'all have to be able to deliver your services as most in, in, uninterrupted as possible, that there's a greater need for you to get that, the, that fiber installation done on a, on a wider scale basis to best serve the community? Yeah, from, from a fiber perspective, I'll say it is our most reliable um, uh, service that we have right now, and that is the future. That's where we're moving toward. Uh, as far as, you know, underground versus above ground, I, I tell you right now, we will do a full-scale after-action review, uh, and we'll determine, you know, what were some of the positives, what are some of the opportunities, and we'll put action plans in place moving forward to make sure we correct those wrongs. I, I guess, let, let me be very specific yes. and direct. Um, what I'm wondering is, I know you come to the parish to get permits, and whatever to be able to install fiber throughout the parish and I understand there's been some some challenges in getting that done you know over the course of the years my question is can the parish do you see a need it seems to me like this might be a time where we need to sort of be a little bit more liberal in allowing you to do that if that's going to improve connectivity and reliability especially during a mass disaster like this that's my concern absolutely you know um you know, we've, we've been before the parish. Our, our goal 
again, I don't want to say the specific amount is to, uh, to, you know, really incorporate as much as Jefferson Parish as possible with our, our fiber service. Uh, and it has been a challenge getting permits, uh, you know, for whatever reason that may be. Uh, our goal is to make sure the residents have the best service possible by AT&T. Uh, and based on this storm and the performance that we saw, our fiber service was uh, performed outstanding. Uh, and uh, those customers were pleased by our response. And uh, you know, in most cases, in some cases, uh, I've heard of instances where customers never lost service during the storm. Thank you. Thank you, Council Jim. Thank you. Anyone else? Councilwoman Van Vryken? Let me just um, continue what Dominic was talking about. I know you come through our permitting process, and I think all of us are on the same page. We realize after this storm we need to figure out ways to harden our communication systems and to harden our electrical systems, um, just like we knew we had to focus on our levees after Katrina. So that's going to be a great emphasis for us. What I would say is um, that has to be a conversation because in the past, part of what has made us hesitant on some of the permitting is um, boxes that pop up next to a person's home that they aren't really prepared for um, and there hasn't been any communication about, or as we call those Q-tips. They are sometimes plastic markers as tall as I am to mark something underground. There's got to be a better way to do that. So um, as we innovate and as we have those conversations, they have to be two-way conversations, you know, for us to speed the permitting process and, and have a better, more resilient community, but also respectful of uh, the citizens and the businesses that are near those pieces of infrastructure that you'll be putting in. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I think the conversation... Um uh, can be had, should be had, and uh, I'd say let's make those make that happen in order to make sure we deliver the best service here in Jefferson Parish. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. We appreciate the, the information. <laughs> Cox Communications. Good morning, President Shang, Chairman Walker, members of the Council. My name is Erin Monroe-Wesley, and I serve as a Vice President of Government and Public Affairs for Cox Communications. I'm grateful for the opportunity to provide an update on our restoration efforts. So let me first start by thanking the men and women who are working tirelessly to restore services to our customers. These are individuals who have left their families for ours. They are braving tough conditions on the ground to connect customers to their services as quickly as possible. I thank them for their skill and sacrifice in addressing what I deem to be very unique challenges on the ground by this unprecedented storm, given the significant damage to the electrical grid. We braced ourselves for an extended recovery due to early projections that power restoration could take weeks based on historic restoration times. Within 24 hours of Hurricane Ida making landfall, Cox crews began assessing damage to our network. At the peak of the storm, more than 98% of Cox customers were offline in Jefferson Parish. Thanks to the exceptional work of Entergy to quickly restore power, our crews have made great progress in restoring our network equipment. We have had over 135 miles of network damage. This is across our New Orleans metro area, including an estimated 35 miles of damage specific to Jefferson Parish. Now, I talked about, you know, day one of the storm, 98% of our customers being offline. By day seven from the storm's impact, our crews were successful in bringing 27% of our customers back online. 
This includes accelerator restoration of services to the Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office, Jefferson Parish Government, the LCMC East Jefferson General Hospital, and other key facilities as our crews prioritize emergency preparedness facilities, government entities, first responders, medical facilities, and schools. Now by, now by day 14 of the storm's impact, our crews were successful in restoring services to 76% of Cox customers in Jefferson Parish. Now although we have made significant progress in restoring services to our customers, we know that our work is not complete until each and every customer has access to their services. Now in Metairie, we do expect that most major neighborhood repairs will be complete by the end of day today. That obviously is pending any delay from Tropical Storm Nicholas. In Kenner, we expect to complete most major repairs by the end of day on Sunday. Now once these major repairs are complete, we'll need to get into some customer homes to reconnect lines to their homes or even fix an issue inside of their home. Our crews continue to repair areas with extensive damage. This includes Avondale and Wagaman on the West Bank, Harahan and River Ridge on the East Bank, as well as Jean Lafitte and Lower Jefferson Parish. We are working right now to provide estimated times for our major repairs to, com to be complete in these harder hit areas. Um, again, we want to thank our customers for their patience as we work as quickly as possible to restore services. We certainly know how important our services are to keeping our customers connected every day, especially during times of emergency. I'll be happy to answer any questions at this time. Councilman Pistano. Thank you, Councilman. <clears throat> um, a few a few questions, and, and mainly I'm, I'm passing on um, the complaints and the concerns uh, of the residents of District 4, in particular the Kenner, the Kenner folks. Okay. Um, and there's some things that I think our constituents don't understand, and candidly I don't understand either. Um, when First of all, my one question is, does Cox enter into the same sort of mutual aid type agreements that Entergy, Entergy does on the power restoration side. We don't have that type of compact, if you will, for the telecommunication services. What we do is partner with contractors and our own Cox employees in other regions. And so we've been able to work with contractors and other personnel to get over 500 people on the ground to help us both with the assessment process and the restoration process as well. well that, that, that may answer a big part of the problem that I believe we faced. Um, so w one of the concerns is, you know, we were told at the outset of the storm mm -hmm. or, or at the outset of the recovery, I should say, um, that power's first, right. then communication second. And we yes. can't, we were told both by AT&T and, and Cox, we really can't do anything until the poles are, you know, reinstalled or re-erected, uh, until the power gets on, we're sort of at a standstill. And I, I felt like, at least the constituents I spoke to, understood that and accepted that. Here's the challenge philosophically with that premise as it relates to Kenner. And again, maybe there's a good explanation. Uh, I think I'd love to hear it, my constituents more than I. Mm -hmm. What The first area in East Jefferson to get large blocks of power restored uh, was Kenner. Okay. So yet, in terms of Cox restoration, it is far and away the worst area in terms of restoration. That seems somewhat ir irreconcilable in, in my constituents' minds, and I can understand their inability to comprehend that. Mm -hmm. Why is it that if we were dependent on power, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Why is it not that when the power was first restored in those areas, would that not be the first areas that Cox was able to get up and running, especially if there's a limitation on the amount of resources and contractors available to do the restoration? Does that right. make sense? Yeah. It, so first, we definitely do follow power. So that statement is absolutely correct. But we also need power to our equipment. So it could be an issue where our node is not powered by Entergy because they're still working through a damage assessment or restoration process. And so even though a customer may have may have power to the home, that doesn't necessarily mean that our services are automatically restored. And so whether it's damage to the node or damage to the network equipment, there could be other challenges. Maybe the equipment is damaged in their home. And so there are a lot of factors that really go into the process of restoring restoring our network is not just based on one pole being restored. That certainly is a primary factor, but there are some other issues as well as we think through the damage to our own network and our own facilities. So so can you answer, generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, why the difference between Metairie expected to be restored at 90% at some point today as opposed to Kenner on Sunday? Mm -hmm. why, is there a reason? Because we're working with, well, we're working through those repairs in terms of looking at Metairie, the damage to our network there, transitioning that to Kenner and the damage there. So we're just working through that repair and restoration process. And so that's my, what maybe why you would see some timing lag, if you will. And so there are probably more likely repairs that are needed in Kenner versus what we've already done in Metairie, for example. So, you know, getting through that debris that's on the ground, getting through that power restoration from a pole perspective, we're working through that process and we really align with energy to get there. And so kind of following their map and work plan, if you will, we're tracking behind them to make sure we're restoring at that pace as well. But what we have found in general, looking at our damage here in the greater New Orleans area, looking at our damage in the Baton Rouge area, we are closely tracking them. But again, that doesn't mean there's an automatic restoration because we do have issues with our network that we need to address as part of that process. Yeah, I'm going to have a lot of difficulty forwarding that response to my constituents because I don't okay. I don't understand how that answers the question at all, candidly. I would say uh, the easy answer is power comes first, then we have to restore our network. So well, it's a two-part. That two doesn't part. work. That okay. doesn't work with what I said before, right? Okay. Because Kenner came, had power on first. Mm -hmm. And then we have to restore our network. So we have damage to our network that we have to restore. So, I mean, as power comes on, obviously they've had a lot of damage to their infrastructure. We face the same type of damage to our network. But did you start in Metairie and then, so is it, it, can I tell my constituents, you just started in Metairie first? I would have to get with the folks on the ground to understand where they started and what that work plan looked like, but I can certainly give I'll you that. I'll not bother my yeah. colleagues with the, this further discussion. Okay. If, if someone can try and put an answer together to that, sure. I'm going to need an answer yeah. for the constituents there because, candidly, they feel completely left out uh, and, and aren't understanding why, and, and with all due respect, I don't understand it any better now either. It could be that I'm slow, but um, I'm challenging. The, uh, the other part I would say is the big criticism that uh, the big question that I know that we've gotten is where are the Cox trucks? I mean, I've got and, and granted, we got that at one point uh, with Entergy, but it didn't take long once their assessment process was done. We saw them. Um, and candidly, we were my office. We were in every street in our district, um, literally as of today, are still doing it. And I got to tell you, I haven't seen Cox trucks, and and my eyesight might be bad, but um, I would wonder why we don't have some form of mutual aid type agreements that can assist with that sort of recovery. If if we're only relying on Cox and Cox alone, which it sounds like we are, to me there seems to be a flaw in the system. Um, and it's certainly not, I'll tell you, it certainly does not, I do not believe that the constituents of District 4 
um, are satisfied with that recovery and, and would suggest that going forward something big's got to change in order for them to feel satisfied with the service they're getting. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a pain, but no, I'm, I'm forwarding the exact concerns and I'm probably being a lot more, I'm being a lot more polite to you than my constituents have been to me about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I think there's a problem that's got to be fixed in order for the constituents of, of our district to feel satisfied with the service they're getting. So I'll say with the over 500 personnel that we have on the ground, more than 400 of those personnel are contractors. And so they will not be in a Cox truck, but they're performing the work. I would say secondly, as you look at our infrastructure, we are working at the node. And so our node is not in neighborhoods. Those nodes service about 100 homes, right? 100 folks in neighborhoods. And so at this time, early in the restoration process, you won't see us tackling individual homes because it's our goal to work at that node level to get as many customers back online as possible. Once we do that and we release the node, if you will, so we've had a great, done a great job in terms of restoring that node, we then release that node so customers can call in with those individual line issues. And so if they were not able to come up once we release the node, there may be, again, damage to the home, damage to the line, or any other challenges that we may face on the ground with that particular home. And so that's probably the reason why you don't see us in individual neighborhoods. We're certainly doing the work, right? but it's at that node or HUD level, which is not in that individual neighborhood. Councilman Banana. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to ask you the same question to AT&T. Does Cox employ a real-time online outage map? We do not deploy a real-time outage map for external use. Um, the feedback that we got from the council last year is we need to develop a map. Right. That certainly is what we're doing right now. And so we have an internal map that we're working through for this storm. We're overlaying the energy power restoration times and those updates that map. And so we're testing it out just to make sure it's accurate, and we hope to be able to deploy that for future storms. We've received that feedback and are working through that process. With all due respect, that was a year ago, though. It was a year ago, absolutely. This is critical because with the pandemic, more and more people are working from home. Mm -hmm. And they evacuated. And they're spending their family dollars on hotel rooms waiting to come home. But they can't come home because they have no idea whether they have internet or not. Understand the, the, critical, the, crit, the criticality of that situation? Mm -hmm. You guys need to develop an outage map and be able to employ that online with real-time data so our citizens, when they evacuate, know whether they can come home or not, because they're wasting dollars that they may not have to waste. And when they get home, they still have to clean up their house, clean out their freezer, and so it backs all that up. So we're begging you guys, please take the time to develop it and spend the money. We are working through that. I'll also add we do deploy one-to-one -one direct communications with our customer. We also encourage them to go through the app. And then Cox.com has been a great resource. I looked today and we had about 33,000 customers who have been accessing the website to get that information pulled as well. And so I think the big focus for us is ensuring that they know they're in an outage and then from there giving them a time frame right for when they can likely receive services back into their home. So we're certainly working through that process. As my colleague, Mr. Impostato said, I'm not going to share with you the comments I got from my, co from my constituents about yes. this, your, app, your app and their ability to respond. Okay. It wasn't good. Okay. I got constantly beat up about that. So I'm going to ask you, what about credits? What credits are you planning to give customers who received outages from August 29th forward? Customers that have been impacted by Hurricane Ida are already receiving credits. Okay. Thank you. And two, two last comments. You guys sent out a press release, I believe it was Sunday, in which the optics were not good. Okay. The bottom of the press release said trucks are now on the way from North Virginia to Jefferson, 16 days after the storm. Do you appreciate the optics of that? 
I appreciate the Not very good. Right, right. So what I'll say is through this restoration process, we're constantly assessing resources on the ground. Again, as we've kind of shifted resources from Baton Rouge, we've gone through their restoration process. Those assets are being deployed to New Orleans. And we all, we, it's a day-to-day -day assessment, right? And so we've had over 500 folks on the ground. We'll continue to deploy additional resources as we deem it appropriate. But I certainly understand the optics and appreciate that comment. I have one less request. Mm -hmm. you know, throughout this storm, I have personal contact every day with Mr. Hamby, with Entergy, Mr. Jones, with yes. AT&T. I can't even tell you who I'm supposed to speak to with Cox. I've never met my Cox rep. Could you think they could make a little time to come meet with my staff and Absolutely. I introduce themselves? Absolutely. So Christina Legassi is our manager of government affairs. I'll ask that she please stand up. We have been in daily communication with your staff. And so if we're not talking to the appropriate folks, please let us know that. We've also been part of President Shang's daily briefings. And so we've been part of those calls and then those 7 p.m. pressers. But Christina is our manager of government affairs and will be your direct contact. So we're happy to work directly with you through text or sale, whatever you deem appropriate, but certainly have been providing those daily updates to your teams. Again, I've never met Ms. Legas. Okay, yes. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Councilwoman Ben I would say I have um, aggravated Ms. Legas frequently <laughs> and sent her email. She's been no very responsive. Thank you. Um, as well as the person we were uh, told to, to start copying on that so there's okay. more eyeballs on it. I know you keep using the figure 500 people on the ground. Mm -hmm. um, over what area and over what time period have you had those 500 people and where? They were deployed on day one. So as we began the assessment process, we deployed them throughout our metro New Orleans area, and some of those folks were uh, deployed in Baton Rouge as well. But I would say the majority, the upward of 400, replaced that New Orleans metro service area. Okay, from day one after? From day one, absolutely, yes. They helped us through that assessment process. The, the, I know I often see, I don't know the internal workings of Cox, but Cox Residential, Cox Business. Yes. We've had a lot of complaints from our businesses who say, I can't ring up sales. I'm doing things old school by like hand, um, or they weren't really able to open. Um, are you, are the restoration efforts different in any way for Cox Business and Cox Residential? They are not different. Okay, same mm -hmm. same assets, same resources, yes. same contractors same working on both business That's and correct. residential. Yes. Okay. Um, two other questions I would have. One is is just to pass along. I, I know um, I got a call from um, more than one resident this morning who called in to report that a Cox outage had occurred at seven last night. Um, when they called in to report the outage, they were told by Cox representatives that there is no outage in that area. They said, well, we don't have service and it's more than one home, so there's something wrong. Um, Cox seemed to be insistent with them that there wasn't an outage, which just got people aggravated and calling us. So I don't know what the messaging from your customer service department is about outages or um, how that can be messaged, but certainly letting people know that you'll look into it uh, would, would have been more well received. I agree. We did receive that feedback. We're working with our care agents to update that appropriate messaging. Okay. And the last thing I'll say, look, after Katrina, I think it was the first time I knew that text messaging existed. You know, I couldn't make a phone call, but all of a sudden there was this alternative to text. Um, in this storm, when I did not have Cox Wi-Fi at my home and was finding it really difficult to communicate and keep up on, on, on the parish business unless I was in this building, um, I found out that there were some op opportunities like a, a MiFi or other technology. Mm -hmm. um, are there things that our business community might look into as a redundancy that they could have um, for future storms or for the remainder of this storm? Are there technologies that people can use 
even if their internet service is down at their business or their home, are there secondary devices that they can look to for some sort of support until you can fix all of the underlying issues? There are, and MyFi is a perfect example of that. I'll work with our CB team to give you a full listing of those offerings that kind of help offset in times of disaster, and I'll share that with the full council as well. But there are a multitude of options in terms of service on the Cox business side. Again, just so we can give our, our business community options. Yes. You know, they may or may not want to pay for an additional service when they're aggravated that their initial service is not uh, restored. But, but at least as a community, to have that discussion of resilience and options yes. um, so that we can get back or have... Um, you know, some opportunities for our business community um, or residents that choose to to know what those things are. Okay, absolutely. One more for you, Councilman Lee. How you doing? You stated earlier that there was extensive damage in Avondale and Wagman, uh, and perhaps the unincorporated area, which includes David Development, Claiborne Gardens, uh, Bridge City, and areas like that. What's the reason, what type of extensive damages, and how long do you think it's going to take to bring it back into service? It's primarily a damage to our fiber and or our coax. And so we've been talking to the team, obviously, coming into this meeting, wanting to provide an update in terms of estimated time for restoration. I don't have that right now, but we're working very hard to address that issue. And so I hope by end of week we can at least give you an estimate in terms of damage to those harder hit areas. But it's primarily been damaged to our network, which is fiber and or coax in certain areas. Thank you very much. Thank we you. Appreciate the information. And last but certainly not least, energy. Should have had some dramatic walk-up music playing for you, Patrick. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, my mask had a malfunction. Um, sorry about that. I was handling an actual. Uh, outage at a school right there trying to make sure that they get what they need to keep in lights nice timing <laughs> um, I'll start uh, by you know, thanking you this is Patrick Hamby on behalf of Intergy Louisiana uh, handle your customer service here in Jefferson Parish for all of you and the, uh, the, the parish president in her office and of course all of our customers I'll go through you know we all know the storm its impact it was catastrophic there's no denying that we've seen it with our, our own eyes but one of the unique things about this storm was the very rapid development of the storm. I was going through my emails. Normally, my communication process with all parish officials is done via email, wrapped up, very organized. And I looked, when I started that, it was on August 25th at 9.39 a.m., my first email to the team, this whole group here. You know, at that point, the National Weather Service was only monitoring a potential tropical disturbance. They said it had a 40% chance of development in the next 48 hours. Uh, the next day, on August 26, it had already become Tropical Depression 9. Only two days later, Saturday, August 28, it had become Hurricane Ida. However, it was only a Cat 1 at that time. That was the 10 a.m. National Weather Service report with sustained winds of 85 miles an hour. That was Saturday, August 28, at 10 a.m. One day later, about 24 hours later, Hurricane Ida made landfall as a Category 4 with 150 mile an hour sustained winds, and that's only seven miles an hour you know, shy of a Category 5. So in that period, that four-day period, we went from something that the National Weather Service was just looking at to actually a, a real deal Category 4 potential very near Category 5 storm making landfall. 
Uh, that's a 70%, 76% increase in that, you know, strength in that one night. So it was uh, something that has hit us and rocked us in a historic fashion. I'll quickly touch on the, uh, the energy damages. You know, just like all of the surrounding properties, you can see it from the homes, the commercial buildings that were in some cases totally demolished. So were our equipment, and you can follow that trend all the way up from Grand Isle. So Grand Isle, the homes, everything that was demolished, so was our equipment. It is a total rebuild for many customers there. It is a total rebuild for our distribution system there as well. I've, I've hit on this, and Mr. Jones mentioned it too. There were over 30,000 poles downed or damaged with this event. That is compared to the second strongest storm that we had or in a, from a damage perspective, which was Katrina. We had almost you know, less than or half of that, the 17,000. So very, very catastrophic historic storm. Another point of view as far as damages go, we had over 36,000, actually 36,469 spans of wire that were down. Each one of those spans is about on average 200 feet. So if you do the quick math, you know, 36,469 times 200 feet equals 7,000 or 7,293,800 feet. Divide that by 5,280 feet, which equals a mile. So you have 1,381 miles of downed wire. Um, historic, catastrophic, time-consuming, uh, tedious work. So before I get into our restoration process, I would like to hit on the communication, and that would be both from me and then from our company to our customers. Uh, from a pre-storm standpoint, from, from me, I hit on this. It, it was email, 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 right, up until that landfall where everyone literally was hunkering down and, and trying to stay safe and, and keep their lives and keep their families safe. But post-restoration, after landfall, uh, communications were down in many cases. The email capability was not there. This truly was uh, all hands on deck, boots on the ground. Me personally, running from site to site, helping our customers, helping our workers, helping set up logistics sites. I've worked with many of you on that, and thank you for your assistance. It was uh, a unique, never before experience for me personally and for everyone involved. So what I was doing then at that point was personal phone calls, text to the group and everything as I could in that fashion as quickly as possible. Uh, from a customer communication standpoint from the company, that's Entergy Corporation, Entergy Louisiana in particular here, we had many press releases, the press conferences with uh, the parish president. We have texts that go out, calls that go out, emails that go out, all part of our normal communications, but it's ramped up during this period of time, and that's based off of what the customer sets as a preference on how they would like to receive those messages. We did do some unique things as far as estimated restoration times went. We had those available as early as September 3rd. So it was a large group that we were able to identify on September 3rd. So that's only five days after landfall. And that was contingent upon our damage assessment being completed you know, before we're able to have accurate information to pass along. Because again, you have to put your eyes on it. You have to know what's broken, where it is, and which crews to assign, because not every crew can do the same thing. You gotta have the right equipment, the right qualifications, and all that good stuff to safely get the lights on as quick as possible. And we did have a supplemental map that we put on top of that a few days later, which was the estimated restoration times by feeder. So the electrical circuit or feeder 
that feed your neighborhood, your house, what have you. We had it color-coded, listed out there with more granular estimated restoration times. That was a, a first that we had done kind of by feeder. It was a little bit of cutting edge, but with historic you know, damages, historic responses are needed. So that was an effort to help customers with uh, the estimated restoration times there and set expectations for on when to come back uh, to their homes to begin the rebuilding process. I will get into the restoration progress that we have made. I mentioned the 30,000 poles, the historic storm. We have to have a historic response. We got over 26,000 workers working on this restoration recovery effort from 41 states. Uh, that essentially is the whole country putting their hands together, coming to help this area, these, communi these communities that we live in, that we serve, to help us get our feet back on the ground. You know, prior to uh, Hurricane Ida, and I've said this at many pre-storm press conferences, trying to set expectations to get customers ready and prepared for hurricane season so that they can decide whether to stay, decide whether they want to leave or evacuate, and then make sure they have the uh, appropriate level of materials on hand if they do decide to stay. So for uh, you know, category one, that 90% restored was seven days. And this is based off a of history with Katrina, Rita, Gustav Ike, all of those other storms. Category two, 90% would have been you know, 10 days. Category three, 14 days. Category four, which is where we're at here, historically would have been 21 days. And we were just seven miles an hour uh, shy of a category five, which would have been over 21 days, because luckily we have not had to deal with that, so we don't really have history on that. Um, we shattered that historical average as far as reaching that 90% restored. We reached 90% of Jefferson Parish restored the night of September 9th. So that is uh, 11 days after landfall, compared to history, which would have been 21 days. Um, tremendous amount of work, and it all has to do not only with Entergy and the 26,000 plus linemen, it is the coordination with everyone here, the council, the parish president, the EOC, everyone involved. We do still have a lot of work yet to be done. The onesies, twosies, as we call it, the, the one customer over here who has an issue, another handful over here, that's the more tedious, harder things to clean up. And um, we're also in an ongoing, was tropical storm yesterday, Nicholas, now it's still sitting over, it's raining on us. I experienced it walking into the building today, got soaking wet in the wind, almost blew my, my umbrella out of my hand but our workers are still working through that. It's down, downgraded to a tropical depression, but it's still nonetheless over us. Um, I would like to highlight a specific area on the West Bank that had some heavy, heavy damages, and this is the uh, Bridge City, Avondale, West Wego, and Nine Mile Point. All of these areas were right in the direct vicinity of where the transmission tower, the 450, 500 foot tower, was twisted, mangled, and fell down right by the, uh, the Avondale Fire Station. And Councilman Bonanno actually during that event was sending me pictures of it as it progressed and fell down. It looked like to me what appeared to be tornadic activity. And the, um, I think it was the Army Corps of Engineers gave us some satellite points of views. I mean, it was just, it's just twisted like a spaghetti noodle on the ground. So that did cause us some unique challenges there. Number one, from a starting point, we could not start 
the work there because the national priority, literally from the White House down, was to get the Mississippi River open. Those lines were blocking, and it was the only reason that the Mississippi River was closed, because of those lines in the water. So in coordination with the Coast Guard, the Army Corps of Engineers, the Levee District, Department of Natural Resources, your EOC uh, staff, we worked to get that line cleared and got the green light, the Mississippi River open, and the green light to uh, start our work in that area September 6, which is great, but we were starting six days in the hole kind of behind where everybody else is. So I said that because I want those customers to know they're not forgotten. I've gotten many issues from Councilman Bonanno. I've been trying to reach out to them personally, was able to call the customers last night. Commissioner Scrimetta's office, same thing. If you have anybody, any customers in that area, please let me know. I will personally reach out to them and give them a, an update. But everything, the goal is to have that area restored by today. It was yesterday, but Nicholas had delayed it, and hopefully Nicholas will not delay it again today, but the goal is by the end of today. I'd like to thank everyone. I'm going to you know, close with a big thanks. The parish president, the, the press conferences enabled us daily to get out there and give live updates, which I think were very informative and very helpful uh, to our customers. So thank you for that. Thank you to the EOC, incredible staff, uh, all the agencies involved. It was truly a team effort, and if we did not do this together, we would not be where we are today. We might not even be you know, at the 90% mark. We might be at 21 days, like history had shown us. So thank you for all the teamwork involved. And last but not least, there are two Entergy employees, uh, Chris Thibodeau and Allison Bufani who are embedded 24-7 at your inter emergency operations center. They are literally the glue that holds Entergy together with the parish and all of the other agencies that are working to recover from this horrific storm. So a big thanks to them. With that, uh, I would also like to thank our customers. Many customers have come to us and, and offered to feed our linemen some cases wash their, their clothes when they're out in the field in remote areas, offer them water, anything that they could do to help. And that shows the true side of our community, which is we're all here for each other. We love each other. If you can't do that and bring out the best in you and during these events, you're never going to survive. So thank you so much to the customers who, who did reach out and help with the, uh, the restoration workers. And with that, I'll, I'll open it up to any questions. Patrick, I don't have any questions for you. I just have a comment, and I'll defer to everybody else for the rest. Um, hurricane season is when you really earn your money. <laughs> we don't talk about you outside of the hurricane season months very often. But uh, as usual, you and Entergy were the most communicative, most transparent, and easiest to deal with before, during, and after this storm. I mean, the, the response level from you when, when my office would send something or when any office sends you something, to the extent that you can respond at any given time, is incredible. And a lot of people are grateful for that. They, they sing your praises, and some people are going to hate on energy, and they're going to do that because they're frustrated, and they have every right to be frustrated if they're in an area that still doesn't have power after this, after this storm. But um, 
considering what we experienced and what you all have done in a short period of time, I think is nothing short of miraculous with all the poles that had to be replaced and everything that had to be fixed just to get power back on. And everybody else depends on energy. Cox and AT&T and anybody who does anything depends on energy. And I think um, despite the criticisms that I know you all have received in some corners, uh, overall, I think the job has been tremendous. And I can thank you for everybody up here uh, for the work you all have done in the past couple of weeks. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Councilman Templin. Yeah, and, I, and look, I'd like to say thank you as well. Look, naturally, we got all the complaints just like everyone else has and still getting some complaints because there's isolated issues where people have their power ripped off of their house and still don't understand why they don't have power in some areas that have lines that are down. But uh, I want to address uh, the, the power outage and the re restoration of Grand Isle. I know that's going to be a long time coming. Uh, we've talked about multiple different options, and I'm being told that we're looking at putting a new infrastructure in Grand Isle with concrete poles uh, that could withstand hurricane winds. I just want to know if you can give us any insight, uh, and I know all that's still in the works, but some type of direction of where we're going so, so the people in Jefferson, lower Jefferson Parish as well as Grand Isle have some type of idea where we're going. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mentioned it's going to be a, a total rebuild. So hardening is a definite factor that we're considering how we do that. If it's concrete, steel, you know, higher reinforced poles, that's all being studied and by our engineers to make sure that we get the absolute best, most resilient, storm-ready materials that we can to support that area because it's not an if, it's just a matter of when, and that matter of when is coming Every year we have the 100-year storm. So we are definitely going to fortify and harden that system better than it has been ever. So, so, so we're not taking the system that's there and rebuilding it. We're putting a new system. It's going to take a while. Is what correct, I'm correct. You've seen the substation down on the island. It looked like a child with their Lincoln logs that just smushed them all in the corner of a toy box. It was a total devastation in most cases. And in a way, it's still exploring some type of option to where uh, we do a self-sustained power system for the island itself, or is that any discussions? That is being reviewed at a level um, kind of addition enough. higher than, than the immediate need to rebuild uh, the system and harden it. But, yes, that has been uh, thought about and contemplated. Yep. All right. Thank you. All right. Councilman Lee. And then Councilman Bonanno, then Councilman Impostato, Councilman Edwards, and Councilwoman Van Franken. Everybody wants to talk to you. <laughs> Patrick, it's been great working with you, and uh, thank you for your temperament and, and the fact that whenever I've uh, contacted you via phone calls or text, you've always responded. But I do need to know about the restoration uh, in the areas that was mostly affected due to the tower collapse, mm -hmm. and that is in uh, the unincorporated areas of Dave Development, Claiborne Gardens, uh, Bridge City, Avondale, and Wagaman. And uh, as a result, uh, I get most of uh, my calls from that area about services, and uh, they, they want to know it's a pressing issue. And I mind you that in that area, they have, uh, we have been supporting them by going to that area by, by providing ice and water and as well as food and as well as cleaning supplies, but it's nothing like having electricity. And so we're going to continue to do what we do for them, but you know we—it's a pressing situation, 
And so I need to find out if you all have uh, uh, new updates on that because it's very important. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very important to me as well. As I mentioned, if you have any customers you'd like me to personally call, please reach out to me, give me their number. I will call them and, and give them this update personally. Um, you're aware of the damages, the six days that it took us while we had to wait to get the orchestration with all the federal agencies to clear out the river. So we were kind of starting six days behind everybody else before we got that green light to begin to work there. And then you couple the severe amount of damages on top of that, all the trees down, the down poles. I think we had 396 poles in that small area alone that we had to replace. I know you've driven it and you've seen all that damage, so it's, it's, it's a task. The goal had been originally September 17th. We tried to beat that by having it done by yesterday. However, the storm effects slowed us down. It didn't stop us, but it slowed us down yesterday and has bled over to today. So the goal is to have that area restored today. Barring anything with the high winds from what is now Tropical Depression, Nicholas, or lightning that may come out of that. So we can't get bucket trucks up in the air when winds are above 30 miles an hour. And then, of course, if lightning comes, we have to, to stop work as well. But the goal is today. Thank you. You're welcome. Councilman Bonanno. May I echo the comments of my colleagues, Patrick? Your communication was incredible during this event. Texts, phone calls, emails, you responded to them all. And, and i got to give a huge shout-out to all the entity linemen and, and contractors who came in. Their work was phenomenal. Working every day in the rain, in the heat, they did a fabulous job restoring our electricity. There is one area where substantial improvement needs to be made with energy, and that's maintenance of their system. You talked about the power. I was in constant communication with my, my fireman at Bridge City watching that tower. What a tornado. Pat, they were texting me pictures of that tower for an hour. A tornadic event is simultaneous. I walked that tower. I videoed it. I have pictures on my phone. Mm -hmm. It was a bucket of rust from the very top to the very bottom. And that's the mere fact. And that's why it collapsed. It wasn't properly maintained. And if an inspector went and looked at that, then he needs to find another job because he did not inspect that properly. I believe in giving credit where credit's due. And I believe in giving criticism where criticism is due. Similarly, in Wigan and Nama Point, there are still people today who don't have power. And if I had to write a book about Nama Point, I'd call it the land that energy forgot because this was the last area that was restored in Zeta last year. Why? They all have rear yard service. It's expensive to put a specialized piece of equipment to go through the woods and cut trees, so energy is not doing it often enough. I, I walked all of that area for four days with all the residents, met with them all. They said it's been 10 years since they've seen a truck behind their house trimming trees. We've got to do a better job of maintaining our system from the towers to the poles. And, and I have great difficulty understanding the correlation between the tower falling, which feeds the East Bank, and the inability to restore power on the West Bank. Why couldn't trees be cut out the way? Why couldn't poles be put in the ground? Nothing happened. Nothing for days and days and days. Why couldn't all that prep work have been done so that as soon as it was available, we could put lines back up? I need you to address that for me, Patrick. Understood. And I appreciate your candidness. Um, so I'll start with the inspection. And that is something that obviously we are doing an after action review on. That's the tower and everything you mentioned as far as rear alley equipment as well. That will be handled. Uh, and we're obviously going to do that. And then as far as the work that was done, I mean, damage assessments could be done. So we knew what was damaged, where it was. But there were grounds 
on our distribution system where we had to have it safe, make sure that there was no electricity flowing through it, and that was all tied to that transmission line and the work that we were doing in order to set those dynamite charges and clear that river. So there was some work being done, but yes, I wish we could have done more and gotten to it quicker. Everything was not paused till September 6, just the, the, the large majority of the restoration activities. Appreciate these people's frustrations. When they walk out the back door, you know what they're looking at? The non-mile point energy plant out their back door and they're the last to get power. Yep. It's difficult to tell those people that they're wrong. No, I feel their pain and, and I mentioned it and I'll say it again, they're my number one priority. They have been for the last few days and let me know who you have and I'll personally contact them and make sure that I answer all their questions. Uh, Councilman Pistato. Um, yeah, Patrick, I want, what I want to say, look, I, I don't know what it takes to, to restore power or anything. So I sure couldn't crit criticize the timing. What I can say, um, that I think is, is as much as I could ask for is energy sold or delivered what they sold. <laughs> this wasn't a situation and, and much to my surprise, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I wouldn't post some of the information on proposed restoration times because I didn't believe you. Uh, it was inconceivable for me to think and honestly believe in my heart <laughs> that y'all were going to get it up by September 8th or September 9th. I mean, that, that you couldn't, I wouldn't have bet a dollar to a dime. I mean, th th there was no way. Um, and y'all delivered. I mean, I got to say that, that that's impressive. And, and I think that from a public perception standpoint, I felt like it assisted us in dealing with our constituents that at least their expectations were measured and were calculated. It allowed us to be able to tell our constituents with some certainty how to, how to make decisions on their life and their family uh, and how to deal with life. And, and that's, you know, as much as I could ask for. You told us on the Friday before the storm and the Saturday before the storm that it was expected to be 21 days. Well, we I'm pretty sure we'd still be pretty close to within that today uh, if that had held. So, um, so anyway, I, I, look, I appreciate that. I also appreciate extensively your and, and your staff's response to individual issues as they arose during the storm. Uh, and I can attest unequivocally to the immediate response we got. I mean, we had uh, stuff that never, you know, the, the media wouldn't, would have never gotten, even the administration might not have even known. I mean, we had a nursing home that was blocked with three power poles that were split, blocking ambulance access in and out of the facility uh, with one phone call uh, to you, then to Phil Hoffman, <laughs> that literally a group of 80 senior citizens were basically prevented from medical calamity um, due to y'all's work. I mean, every time we had an issue, the response was instant, uh, particularly where lives were in danger. And so from my vantage point, I can't ask for much more than that uh, and appreciate that, that responsiveness. And, um, and I will say I feel like the response in District 4 seemed to be a lot better this storm and prior ones, which comes not long after Phil Hoffman was promoted. So I'm just going to say I noticed the consistency. I'm just going to tell you. Um, but anyway, the last thing are a set of issues that I think are, are probably uh, well above your, your pay grade, no discredit to you, but are major big picture issues that we just have to address with Entergy. Um, poll inspection, I know for a fact I've deposed Energy executives in my private life, and they've said unabashedly that they inspect every poll once every 10 years years. Mm -hmm. That's a horrific statistic <laughs> for, for the public. And so um, that's the kind of thing that's got to be 
changed. And then additionally, I had someone send me a message during the storm that said um, the move towards under, you know, changing how power is installed may be our new drainage crisis that once following Hurricane Andrew, uh, I believe the parish went on a mission to see what needed to be done to enhance drainage, and that was done over the course of the last 25 years, and the results pretty well speak for themselves in this storm. Uh, I think we as a parish have to turn that focus towards what does it take uh, to get us um, to get us a better infrastructure, and again, I think that's probably something that we'll have to go a few layers up to get some answers to that. But that's just got to be done because the trend is it's not getting better. <laughs> the trend's getting worse. So uh, clearly if, the, you know, if we continue to do the same thing, we're not going to get a better result. But that being said, um, just again, thanks for being responsive. And, and being there for the damage assessment and the triage, if you will, uh, when these things have happened. So thank you. Thank you, Council Chairman. Councilman Edwards. Patrick, first of all, on a personal level, thank you so much for being available. I did not call your telephone one time that you didn't answer it, and I appreciate that. Uh, the uh, the restoration of the, of the damage following such a, a catastrophic event in the time that you did it was amazing. and. I think you're truly to be congratulated about that. Just a couple of questions. I understand from some of my constituents in the Lafitte area that you're requiring a certification from a licensed electrician before you'll make some reconnects in some, in some situations down there. What are the criteria that make the determination that you need that certification from a licensed electrician? It's uh, just part of the parish emergency reconnect process through the code enforcement groups, a licensed electrician does the repairs to make sure they're safely done, then they file for the emergency reconnect uh, with the parish. Well, would, is that being done in every in every instance in Lafitte, or does there have to be some damage that's obvious, or what What makes that determination that that, that requirement by the parish kicks in? So any damages that you have repaired, you should use a, a licensed electrician. It's a, a liability uh, issue, potentially. So you don't make that determination. It is it, That's only made if they've required uh, repairs to be made? That's right. So there, there's you can go look at our energystormcenter.com webpage. There's a link that says what's yours, what's ours. If you click on that link, it'll show you a picture, a graphic sure. of the overhead facilities that the customer has installed, they they own it and they are responsible for getting it repaired. And that is the type of work that the customer will need a licensed electrician on. Anything else like the service line, obviously the poles and transformers and all that, that's on us and we'll get it. There's a graphic similar for underground service as well. You know, the meter pan, not the meter itself, we own that, but the meter pan and then the connection where the service comes in, either underground or up above, is on the cu uh, customer side. I understand that. Well, again, thank you, and, and congratulations for a job well done. We appreciate it. Thank you. Councilwoman Van Vreken. Patrick, I'll be the seventh to say thank you. Um, you are always uh, quickly responsive, um, always have a, a really cool demeanor, which with all of us pestering you, I don't know how you maintain, but, um, and as Dominic said, I, I was really surprised um, that, as a, as a company, you were able to say the greater majority of our um, customers in this area would be back on September 8th. Considering the level of storm we experienced, it was really um, amazing to see the restoration occur so quickly, so thank you. Um, as Dominic alluded to, I think our conversation now is going to have to shift to how do we not get here again long term? 
And um, I know in the past we've talked about those pole inspections. I know in the Metairie area, right before I became councilwoman, there were pole inspections being done with a certain protocol, and we had numerous poles that were coming down. I know when I became councilwoman, we continued those discussions. The protocol for inspection did change, and I think is a more robust one now. But as Dominic pointed out, a 10-year cycle for polls is just too long. So we're going to have to figure out a way that those polls can be inspected on a more regular basis. The other thing that I think we all experience is a lot of times when I'm driving down a street and there's a pole and it has three transformers on what's a, a small wooden pole, that's asking for trouble, I think, and we often see those um, either leaning or down after a storm. Again, I don't mean to shoot the messenger because this is going to be something the company has to address, but I think as a community, certainly we need to, to be having the starting of this discussion. Um, so, you know, burdening the poles, overburdening the poles, um, inspecting them, maybe moving away from poles and, and burying lines or hardening the infrastructure. The, the examination and the discussion that you're having about hardening um, infrastructure in Lafitte, I think, needs to be infrastructure hardening um, region-wide. It shouldn't be limited to uh, Lafitte and Grand Isle. So let's please, um, we love that the discussion is starting with them. They see the storm first on the coast um, and as it moves northward, but, but let's have that discussion as a region. Um, the last thing I'll say, um, we're going to be taking a trip as a council to Grand Isle, and my understanding from some of the pictures that I've already seen and the conversations we've had, the structures that were built post-Katrina to different standards and different, um, a different awareness of how to build, those structures fared far better than structures that were built pre-Katrina. Mm -hmm. And you can see it in the ones that are standing and still have roofs or, or the bulk of their structure intact. I think we need as a community to have this conversation about how do we build the infrastructure that supplies power to our region um, in a more resilient way. Hurricanes aren't going away. Hurricanes aren't getting less strong or less frequent. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over. And so, yes, it's a little more costly to build a home with some of those new standards, but it's an investment in the home being there after the storm. And so I don't want to delay in us having this conversation um, as a region with Entergy. Um, we need to rethink how we're building this infrastructure because obviously being out of power um, in the level that we saw um, can't be a frequent occurrence. So we look forward to starting that discussion with you and with those at Entergy who, um, who will be able to have that conversation and move us forward. And thank you again for everything that you did to be responsive um, to each and every request that we made. Absolutely, and thank you. I mean, we, we do an after-action review, a lessons learned, and all of that will be evaluated as part of that. We are putting up stronger, thicker, taller poles when we can, and some composite uh, cross arms so you don't have the wooden ones up there that are subject to rot and failure. So we are doing things like that as we are rebuilding, but again, the larger picture will be considered in the uh, after-action review. And just one caveat on the speed and how we were able to do the speed of the restoration versus the average of that 21 days. This storm largely impacted Louisiana only, which means we were able to get 26,000 resources fairly quickly. We weren't competing with neighboring states and a huge amount of other utilities that have to compete over that finite pool of resources. So if a larger, more widespread storm had hit, we may have only been able to get 
a third or, or half of those resources, which again would have slowed down. But in this case, we were able to get the, the full load here. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you. We appreciate it as always. Who's ready to start the meeting? <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> Anybody need to go to the restroom? We'll get started. This is the Jefferson Parish Council meeting, Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. We're at the Joseph S. Yenny Building, 1221 Elmwood Park Boulevard in Jefferson, Louisiana. Thank you all for being here today. The meeting is now called to order. Councilman Impostato is going to introduce his guest with today's invocation. We have with us today, uh, it's, it's awfully fitting and no coincidence, uh, Pastor Dean Ross of the Family Church uh, on Loyola uh, Drive in Kenner. And um, if you could come forward, Pastor, uh, we, we met, I guess God does have a plan in some ways, uh, we met about 72 hours after the storm um, when this is a, a longstanding church, the building is a longstanding church that's been in Kenner for probably 50 years and um, was reopening, scheduled for a grand opening uh, on around August 29th of <laughs> 2021. Uh, obviously, the grand opening did not happen as planned, but it probably happened in a more fitting way because what we learned is the way we encountered each other is about 72 hours after the storm, the family church delivered somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 hot meals uh, to people lined up up and down Loyola, uh, unsolicited, unprompted, and just on their own, frankly, without even a congregation. They hadn't even formed a congregation yet, hadn't had a service inside the church, and were already um, helping our community in a time of the most need. So I had the pleasure of meeting Pastor Ross and thought it was only fitting that we ask him to grace us and thank you for what you did during the storm. Um, but I think it's only fitting that you lead us in prayer today. Thank you, Pastor. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, as I've been reminded repeatedly by the Holy Spirit through the storm, Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Sorrow may last for the night, but there's joy in the morning. So God, today, as we, as we talk about restoration plans and we make our plans moving forward as a parish, God, we're reminded that the, the, the hard things that we have experienced, Lord, only last for a short time. But joy is rooted in you and your work. So God, today I pray right now over every council, man and woman in this room. God, I pray over our parish president. I pray over everyone working in the energy, in the, in the Yenny building, Lord, and, and in our public services all across the parish and region. God, we trust you. And we know that joy is here and that joy is here to stay. So God, direct our paths and lead this meeting. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, Thank you for being here, Mr. Ross. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Chairman Walker. Present. Councilman Template. Present. Councilman Edwards. Present. Councilman Bonanno. Here. Councilman Lee. Here. Councilman Impostato. Present. 
Councilwoman Van Rankin. Present. Parish President, Ms. Lee Zhang. Yes, ma'am. And I've completed the roll. Thank you, Madam Clerk, and welcome back. Thank you. We missed your last meeting. I'm going to take a point of personal privilege for a moment and then allow my colleagues to say whatever they'd like post-storm um, right after this. But I just wanted to kind of, um, I guess, recap everything that we've been through in the past 18 months. I mean, we've lived through arguably the most tumultuous and challenging period in Jefferson Parish history in these past 18 months. In 2020, COVID, of course, eight times in the cone, and then Hurricane Zeta. 2021, a COVID resurgence, and now Hurricane Ida. Sure, we've dealt with adversity in the history of our parish before, but lately it seems like that big Jefferson Parish voodoo doll has been poked repeatedly. We're surely down, but we're never out, as Mayor Tim Kerner and Lafitte told me last week, never count out Lafitte. I think we can broaden that to say never count out Jefferson Parish. Our people certainly are passionate and strong. We come together and we look out for one another. Even after great loss, our community donated to others who needed it more. We cooked, we cleaned up, we found ways to help. Many parts of our parish, specifically Lafitte and Grand Isle, have long roads to recovery ahead. That recovery will be painful, but those communities will stand tall and proud again because that's what we do. We all stand tall and proud. We are fiercely protective of our way of life and are offended by anyone who questions our desire to live here. George Washington said, the harder the conflict, the greater the triumph. I think we're ready to triumph. Jefferson Parish will be back stronger and will ride on the backs of our citizens. I couldn't be prouder of the way this council and the administration handled an unprecedented storm that indiscriminately blitzed through our area and its aftermath. So, Madam President, I'd like to thank you for your leadership and for all the parish departments that did incredible work over the past several weeks to get the parish back up and running as quickly as possible. I wish everyone could really witness the amazing behind-the-scenes work that goes on here during a crisis. Unfortunately, we've seen it way too many times over the past 18 months, but this parish is filled with incredible people that do great work. I'm probably going to leave somebody out, but our JPSO, our fire, EMS, emergency management, public works, recreation, water, sewage, drainage, streets, parkways, public information office, environmental, general services, incredible work, all super responsive and all um, worked diligently to get this parish back on track. It's even when we lost power at our, at our own EOC post-storm that made things a little bit dicey and difficult, we lost power to the GGB. Um, it, it was challenging on a number of fronts. Generators had to be brought in. Plans had to be made on the fly, and it was really, really incredible to see. And I, I know that going through this, you become stronger. Unfortunately, we had to go through it, which we didn't have to, but you see things that you don't see under normal circumstances that you see during a crisis. And I was happy to be part of it. Sure, there were some mistakes and some slip-ups, um, but it was unprecedented, and we'll work to correct whatever mistakes that were made this time, next time, and do better. Uh, invite anybody else who would like to comment on pre-storm, during storm, and post-storm. Councilman Venano? Yeah, I'd like to echo your comments, Chairman Walker. I mean, the parish staff, parish president Yanni, all the EOC workers, all the public uh, employees did a fabulous job, worked tirelessly during this event. You know, public employees are often criticized but rarely get praise, and they deserve it because they did a fabulous job. I want to thank you all for everything you all did throughout this event. And there's a lot of work left to do, but I'm confident, as Councilman uh, Walker said, this parish will return again. Thank you. Councilman Edwards. I just want to uh, to agree with everything that Councilman Walker said. I, I'm not brave enough to try to to name all of the uh, 
departments and everyone that was that played such a vital vital part. But uh, Madam President, your administration and every member of it worked just tirelessly and performed unbelievably. And to all the council members and their staffs, I thought that that, that they deserve. Uh, a real thank you to because every one of you and your staff worked very hard and I'm proud to be part of this group that was uh, worked in concert to deal with these problems. Councilman Lee? On, on uh, Saturday night there was uh, seen it was nearly a hundred people who were brought to a shelter unauthorized part playground that we knew nothing about. It was an emergency of all emergencies because we were not prepared to deal with a situation such as that. Someone made the decision to send people here uh, to go to part playground and they never took the time to check the resources that we had or even whether we could sufficiently provide or host them in a proper way. Those are the kind of situations that we've dealt with in this parish. But let me say I'm so proud of our parish president, Steve, the shoot, and the rest of uh, the employees in his parish, those who work in recreation, those who work in general services, those who work in every aspect of his government, because on when we had that, and, and parish president was there to about 1 o'clock that night trying to figure things out, but because of uh, their diligence, because of their desire to figure out solutions instead of getting stuck with problems, we were able to bring in uh, portable showers and for, and, and for those uh, as well as for those who were handicapped who needed certain uh, uh, accommodations made. But not only that, we were able to bring in uh, cots and, and we organized it in such a manner. But to have, to have seen that happen the way they did it, I just have to say to you all publicly, thank you for your commitment, thank you for your hard work, because that was not an easy thing to do considering this was something that we knew nothing about. So I just want to say thank y'all. Thank you for being the, the, the people who believe that we have to take care of uh, those in need even if it's not our responsibility. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, Councilman Lee. Councilman Impostato. Yeah, the, the I'm just going to repeat the line I said in the last press conference we had uh, a few days ago. If I had, if I were to give a, if I were to classify the mantra that I believe um, was the backdrop for the administration and the parish response to this, it would be uh, one of my lines: "All in, all the time, and all hands on deck." Uh, that being able to witness firsthand was was quite impressive. Uh, we had people doing things that. I can promise you there is not a single document in the parish that would say this is in their job description, <laughs> and yet did it uh, without even without hesitation. My personal experience, well, I mean, look, drainage, uh, clearly we will put our drainage department up against anyone in the country. Uh, make no mistake about it. No flooding, no flooding 
in Jefferson Parish. I mean, excluding, of course, Grand Island Lafitte, okay? But inside our levee protection system, no, zero flooding in the worst hurricane to hit the parish. That is nothing short of monumental. Um, and, you know, our water, Sydney, Sydney Baisley, Mark Drews, every time we had an issue come up, the response was almost, I don't want to say instant, but about as damn close to instant as you get. Um, everyone was on deck. Everyone was responding at, at a moment's notice. My personal experience uh, had, had much more to do with between general services, the surplus, uh, recreation, Jeff Cap. Uh, those departments who were doing things way outside of their job descriptions and did not hesitate, were serving people in need, uh, and did it willingly. And, and shockingly, weren't always treated that great by the public, <laughs> as shocking as that may seem. And yet they did it and were grateful to be part of that process. And, and uh, our parish is a better place because of the men and women in the administration, um, the employees up and down the line. Um, I'm grateful to you. Uh, you make this parish look good. When we get up and brag, when parish president Lee Shang and these council members, when we get up and say Jefferson Parish is un unequivocally the best place to live, work, and play, Rest assured, over the last three weeks, the work of the employees in Jefferson Parish, top to bottom, proved that to be true. So thank you. Councilwoman Van Riken. Um, I want to thank each and every one of our employees um, who went above and beyond. And, it, you know, it's, it's something that I'm always very proud of. I think we have a, a, a corporate culture, uh, a culture in Jefferson Parish government. It's <clears throat> about getting it done making things happen, doing whatever it takes to make it happen, and, and that's from the top down and the bottom up. Um, yesterday on the way to work, we're obviously out of the storm, but we had, you know, Nicholas reigning over us. Um, on my way in, I saw someone checking one of the drainage pumps in Old Metairie, um, and then later in the day, out in the torrential rain, <clears throat> one of the crews was cutting a tree that had been blocking a stop sign and making sure that that situation would be safe and that stop sign would be visible. They had the raincoats on, the chainsaw out. Um, just I, I, I want to thank each and every um, peg in the wheel of Jefferson government for doing um, their job um, so incredibly well. Um, and for all of our constituents who might be um, you know, listening or watching, um, just as we were so appreciative of the energy linemen and the, uh, their counterparts from all over the country who came in, when you see those Jefferson Parish crews out on the street doing what they do every day, I think we all just have to have a level of appreciation and thankfulness for them. Let them know that um, because they were absolutely spectacular in the storm and are every day of the year 24-7. So thank you. Councilman Templet. Just real fast, uh, we, we could sit here and go on kudos, you know, all morning long, and I want to say thank you and echo all of y'all com comments, but uh, as well as I want to compliment my colleagues as a whole. Uh, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, you always hear, if I had to be in a foxhole, I'd like to pick the people I want to be in that foxhole with. Well, those people are in this room from Paris President on down to my colleagues. You know, I, I remember the first night of the storm, Councilman Bonanno and uh, Brian Adams were organizing in the middle of the storm a rescue operation to save those people out of Lafitte. And, and, and emotionally, I'd like to tell you thank you because that next morning there were boots on the ground in boats rescuing people because of y'all efforts. And, and, and honestly, that, that's impressive. And from each one of y'all who actually took 
and the rains in your community and your districts to feed, check on your people, get ice, uh, make sure they had food, checking on the elderly and the seniors. Uh, and like I said, we can go on and on and tooting our horns, but, but this is a group that I wouldn't mind being in a foxhole at any time to protect our people uh, and move forward. But, uh, you know, we're not finished, and we're far from finished. Uh, and, uh, you know, look, we'll put on a national, you know, national news, you know, especially with some of our issues with Grand Isle and Lafitte, uh, and we need to push that. Uh, because everyone in power, from the president on down, came to our community to take a look at Grand Isle and Lafitte, and we need to make sure that continues. Uh, on another note, we have constituents out there that are being not properly serviced by our insurance companies. Uh, I've already seen firsthand to where people are being denied wind coverage and saying it's flood coverage, or being told it's flood, flood coverage is telling them it's wind coverage and it wasn't flood coverage. Uh, you know, I think we all stand with our insurance commissioner, Jim Donlan, to make sure that our, our people's and constituents' rights are protected to make sure they get proper insurance coverage. And I would sit here and ask and, uh, our adjusters and our insurance companies with our constituents to get off their hands, get off their butts, and service our people and get them some money in their pockets so they can get their homes fixed, their roofs covered, uh, and help protect their family. And, and thank you all. Thank you, Councilman Template. Thank all of you. And I did, of course, forget somebody. Thank you, Councilman Impostato, for bringing up Jeff Cap because Jeff Cap stepped into so many situations during the storm that they're not normally stepping into, and they helped out in so many ways. I apologize for admitting you from uh, my remarks. Now, Madam President, I'm sure you have a few things to say as well. I do. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, and thank you for all the uh, thank thanking our employees because, you know, they were working the whole time while their family, families were away, and many of them were dealing with lost possessions and, and loss of houses, and they still came to work every day. Um, we, I want to start off by saying, you know, um, this incredible storm, we only had actually one death due to the storm, a drowning, we believe, in Lafitte. Um, but again, as we had been saying, the post-storm dangers um, were oftentimes worse, so I believe there were six uh, deaths post-storm three from carbon monoxide poisoning, one was a nursing home death. Um, they, they had evacuated to Independence, Louisiana. Um, one was the fatal shooting at the gas station with the argument, and another one was a hit and run um, on Berman Highway, probably due to lack of lights. Um, so we also want to make sure that um, we remember those families um, at this time, as well as during the same period of time, we had 62 deaths from COVID. So there has certainly, while we came through very well, there's certainly been a lot of loss um, over the past couple weeks. And because of um, the 911 anniversary, obviously we were not able to honor that date um, because we were dealing with this storm. So we want to keep all of those people and what, what happened to our country certainly in our prayers. Um, the amount of work that has gone on since Hurricane Ida made landfall to this day still amazes me. As many of you were talking about, Councilman Mastati, you're talking about what happened at the nursing home. I'm just hearing that for the first time. I mean, it's just, you know, with the towers falling on that nursing home. Every day I find out things um, that I didn't know because we, we are an incredibly vast parish with, with um, a lot that has happened. Um, we are a parish that is vulnerable to every threat a hurricane can bring upon our community, and we have sections of our parish that lie outside the levee protection system and sit unprotected at the first punch at landfall. Obviously, many of those residents lost everything they have. 
Um, and even if their house remains, it sustained major structural and water damage. For them, rebuilding their homes will take much longer than the next weeks or months. I have been through Lafitte, um, been to Grand Isle, and I will just tell you that uh, the media and the video can show the destruction. But you will see when you get to Grand Isle that there are structures there that you can't document the destruction because the house is no longer there. The pilings are no longer there. So there is no destruction to see. It's empty land. And that gets miss, missed um, in the videos and in the national media. Um, it was that terrible. So we're committed to the long-term recovery um, of those areas. And then for those of us in Upper Jefferson, while many had structural damage and lost their possessions, the majority of people will be be able to reclaim their lives when the electricity and the telecommunications turn back on. So thank you for um, hosting all of the, of the telecommunications and um, electric company to give their update. So at our last council meeting just three weeks ago, I went to bed that night, and that Wednesday night, most of the spaghetti models were showing the storm was heading to Texas. And by Thursday, Invest 99L had a very large cone of uncertainty. And by Friday, we were discussing a Category 4 hurricane coming right at us. The rapid intensification of this storm is certainly one for the record books. Um, it has been a tremendously long three weeks. Um, but I do, as many of you have, uh, want to thank so many departments and agencies for our ongoing recovery. Um, certainly our first responders, um, they were chomping at the bit. Uh, during the storm um, to get out there and save people. I saw it with my own eyes. So um, our Sheriff's Office, Sheriff Lapinto, as well as our West Bank Volunteer Firefighters and our East Bank Consolidated Firefighters as well, starting off with search and rescue. Uh, the Louisiana National Guard with Lieutenant Colonel Barry Riley has been with us and embedded with us since last year with COVID, but they were critical in the water, food, ice distributions with pods, and with so many security missions throughout the parish. And to you all, our council offices, um, we would have been very hard-pressed to get to our neediest and most vulnerable people without your offices and your staff hosting food donations, helping with well-check visits, and just really helping us manage this. So I'm eternally grateful for you all, and you're, you're making your staff available. You know your districts better than anybody, and it was easy for us to push out donations, work with you all on sites, and know that you all were handling it um, with our directors. So thank you so much for that. Um, you saw a quick response at every level of government, our state partners, GOSEP, Louisiana Department of Health, Department of Children and Family Services, Louisiana State Police, State Fire Marshal, as well as DOTD, as well as other governments within Jefferson Parish, um, our mayors and our municipalities, as our levy districts. And then, of course, we have federal agencies here on the ground helping us, FEMA, Corps of Engineers, Coast Guard. And our public and Catholic school systems are busy assessing all of their buildings to, tr to create a safe environment for, for kids to get back into the classroom. And I'm understanding that they both, both of those systems have a tiered reopening um, for their schools. Um, churches, Second Harvest, Walmart, um, Academy with donations, nonprofits were really coming out of the woodwork to help us. Um, as well as the other partners in our community, our electricity, our telecommunications, our garbage and debris contractors. Um, and so many people that I have met from out of town that I had no idea uh, the agency existed and I had no idea they were here. Um, and if you go around the parish, you will meet from, from it seems like every state, um, Red Cross, AmeriCorps, FEMA personnel, Project Hope, Salvation Army have a ton of people here around the country helping us. Um, I am, I, I would be remiss and I hate to bring up people's names because I know once you start doing that, um, 
you're going to miss somebody, and I, I hate to miss somebody, but, you know, on behalf of Steve and Valerie, who have just been so invaluable to me personally, um, we have to bring up some people's names because there were some people who were with us day in and day out and not just doing their job in a more complicated matter, but taking on whatever got thrown their way without question. I need to start with, um, and, and I went over this list with, with Valerie and Steve, um, to try to make sure just who stands out in your mind is just being exceptional, worth their weight in gold throughout this entire storm. Um, Joe Valiente and Timmy Gotro to manage our emergency operations center, the hub of all of our activity and communication. If anything needs to be coordinated, and basically everything needs to be coordinated, it ran through the EOC. Um, even when we lost generator power, the crisis in the midst of the crisis, and everyone just started calmly preparing for Plan B. Um, and though I probably look calm, I was not calm. I was very nervous on the inside because I knew how critical that communication hub was to us. And if it went down, I knew our response would be delayed. So I want to thank them. Chief Tibbetts and Chief Brian Adams, um, with starting out with search and rescue, but making sure, um, I believe if it wasn't for their messaging, we would have had even more poisonings with carbon monoxide. Um, so, so they were handling, you know, their teams handling ice and additional fires. Chief Adams is volunteered to go oversee the recovery in Grand Isle, and he is there now giving us daily reports. Uh, Chief Don Robertson stepped up to take his place, and we want to thank them. And then uh, the gentleman over here, Mark Drews. Um, the, the, you didn't want to be Mark Drews during a hurricane. Um, when you have these, the questions of the past three weeks, are the pumps working? Do I still have to use boil water to brush my teeth? Can I do my laundry now or will my sewer back up? Is the tree removed from my street? When will that traffic light be fixed? And when, when will my garbage get picked up? Those are all Mark Drew's questions. So um, his steady hand and his team, I'm sure he's so proud of his team, uh, giving the daily updates. Um, people don't realize how much Mark has under his direction with Public Works, um, but everything was addressed, and, and, and I want to thank him. For um, you never saw him lose his temper, and you never saw him look disheveled. He just was being Mark, and um, he was a great uh, stable force for us in the EOC. Sarah Babcock was one of the newest members of our team. She was able to handle some of our most vulnerable citizens with her emergency operations background and public health background. She came to our team just in time. I do believe, and many have told her, that had she not evacuated so quickly, the people out of our area are most vulnerable. We would have had more deaths on our hands, and certainly she is overseeing um, their, their trip back home, and we're dealing with that. And our public information officer, run by Gretchen Hurt and their entire staff, obviously during a crisis, you need to have real-time, credible information getting pushed out. Um, so they're publishing on the media pages and coordinating press events and also quickly setting up the Hurricane Ida recovery dashboard. So all of the reference that any of our citizens would need are in one place with all those links. Uh, we want to thank them. Um, and then Ryan Babcock, we said General Services Department, he was running all of our buildings, running generators, and handling all supply donations, and basically the entire time shifting our assets from place to place all over the parish, from Lafitte to Grand Isle to all of our donation events. We want to thank him. Shireen Gegenheimer, um, she had a lot of departments that were heavily leaned on during this time, transit, recreation, animal shelter. She was someone who was boots on the ground for her departments. Um, every time. When I got to the shelters at Saturday night at 11 p.m. to check on things at PARD, Shireen was already there. Uh, so I want to personally thank Shireen for, for just always being present. And Leo as well. Leo standing up the shelters, Leo Webb in recreation. Uh, he was maintaining his essential role at the EOC, and he was also uh, quickly setting up shelters. 
uh, Christine Langoni and Nicole Fontenot, with one day notice, we said, handle the donations, centralize them, work with the council offices, and that's basically all we had to tell them, and it was done. So I want to thank them for that. And Daniela Bayo, um, our cross-cultural coordinator, worked hard to make sure our non-English speaking citizens had all that information. So again, I hate to bring up people's names because I know I'm forgetting people, but um, these folks just really stood out to, to Steve, Valerie, and I, and I, I, I needed to, um, to, to acknowledge them. So um, we have so many other things that our parish is doing and continue to do, and some departments are going to be busier now in the recovery than they were even during post-storm. Um, our land use and development teams are out there looking at all the structural damage. There's going to be a high volume of building and permit applications, and I know you all are going to take on some of those issues today. Um, this group will be critical in rebuilding our communities, both inside and outside the levy protection system. Our finance departments continue to assist in tracking expenses and managing grants, and will be involved with FEMA reimbursement. Our JPAW staff, led by Michelle Brignac, uh, continue to do animal rescue, both both pre-storm and post-storm, and managing calls on lost or abandoned animals. Michelle today is driving dog food and cat food to Grand Isle um, because her staff is so limited. She's doing it herself. Um, and our recreation staff, who normally oversee sports and recreation activities, actually running shelters and handling our most vulnerable people, and they're not complaining. And they've never done this before. We've never really run a post-storm shelter before in modern times, and they're out there doing that. So I have to thank them for that. Um, and our transit staff has moved over 1,000 citizens and pets uh, and, their, and their corresponding pets to a shelter, and many are moving them back into their homes as we speak today. And Fleet, and that was Ninette Barrios leading our transit department. She's just been instrumental in that. Um, and our fleet uh, management, Randy Bellinger, establishing the fuel distribution site when fuel and gas were so critical to make sure our first responders and our essential government um, had fuels for generators, pump stations, lift stations. And then Jeb Tate, our IT department, keeping us all connected, um, working hard when, when our EOC went down. Um, even the last-minute request I had that people in shelters get to watch the Saints game, and I gave him a very last-minute request. He came through on us for there. So again, I hate to even mention some departments because I know I'm, lead, I'm, I'm leaving people out, um, but we want to thank all of them because throughout the parish, people have been working so hard. Um, some information we just want to say, you know, we, we called for a clothing drive. I knew we, with the request we would get a lot of, um, a lot of clothes, and we have. So we're going to keep those two donation sites open. These are for people who have lost everything in our shelters. We'll also take some of these clothes and offer to Grand Isle and Lafitte later on. We're going through um, washing them all and drying them all because at the shelters we don't want to have, you know, issues. Uh, we want them to have clean and laundered clothes. So we're going to be accepting um, clothes through Friday. September 17th between 7 and 4 at the central plant at 961st Street in Gretna or at our surplus uh, property at 920 David Drive in Metairie. Again, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. All lightly used clothes will be accepted. Um, pods had to close on Monday. We want to thank the National Guard for supporting that effort and making sure people had water and food and ice and tarps. But the state had to pull these resources, obviously, to deal and, and reassign these people to the western part of the state to deal with this um, tropical storm. So we want to thank them um, for that critical effort. Transit will be running Saturday-level services, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day until Saturday, September 18th. The bus fare is going to be free until Saturday, and then the collection will resume on Sunday, September 19th. And paratransit services have resumed normal operations from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. 
and transit bus services will resume normal operations beginning Thursday, September 30th, weather permitting. So you can visit www.jeffersontransit.org for more information. All of our Jefferson Parish Library locations are open at normal operating hours except Grand Isle, Lafitte, and West Wego. Um, and our JPRD parks and playground, playgrounds will remain closed, but we will shortly after this meeting um, organize and get a schedule out of their, their reopenings. We're going to do that today as to which ones can reopen and what, what um, has to be reassigned. And then our Jefferson Protection and Animal Welfare Services, um, the West Bank location is open. As I've mentioned, Chief Brian Adams is overseeing all the recovery efforts in Grand Isle, and we want to thank him for leading that team. Um, team members on the ground include firefighters from the Grand Isle Fire Depi Department, um, 14 firefighters from Jacksonville, Florida, 25 law enforcement personnel, including Grand, Grand Isle Police, the Sheriff's Association, as well as JPSO, um, 144 members of the National Guard, six EMS with two transport units, and five members of the incident management team. And our public works and water department are also on the ground, um, still turning off water meters and, and locating and isolating leaks. Uh, in Lafitte, as you know, a lot of the power has been restored. We're still working on clearing the mud from the roadways. Um, the distribution site at the seafood market is still servicing the community with commodities. And as we heard earlier, regular trash started in Lafitte, but um, we have to work on a plan for the Barataria side, and we will start. We, we are working on that presently. want to make sure everybody, for any um, recovery resources for Ida, visit our website, www.jeffparish.net. We do have a dashboard that will link you to FEMA, Blue Roof Program, Storm Debris Map, Energy Outage Map, JEDCO Business Resources, our parish services updates. Um, and I want to talk about COVID. There were 11 COVID deaths in Jefferson Parish just yesterday, so we cannot forget that we are still in this mode. Um, but hospitalizations are continuing to decline. Just to note that school-aged children continue to have the highest number of COVID cases per groups. So vaccinations are continuing to increase approximately 1% per week. So our COVID test sites have ramped back up. Testing is available daily at Harold McDonald Park. Delta Playground, and Bonneville Boat Launch. Um, many of those had to be suspended yesterday due to the weather, but we're, we're going to be able to reopen those. And we will expect to reopen Alario uh, once that site is cleared as, a, as the base for Ida recovery. Oshner Health has reopened their vaccine location at Lakeside Mall. That's going to remain open from 11 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. And Oakwood Mall vaccinations locations will, will start tomorrow Thursday to Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, we continue to monitor Nicholas, so please make sure you understand a coastal flood advisory is still in effect for Lower Jefferson until this evening, and a flash flood watch remains in effect through our whole area uh, through Thursday morning. With storm debris and garbage still out there, we want to remind everyone to make sure you're not blocking um, the pathway for rainwater to get to the catch basin. And I just want to say this to end, and I know you all have already discussed it, and we've discussed it many times already. So many of the folks um, after Katrina had the further discussions and fought for investments in our community uh, that we were all, uh, many of us were involved in um, getting that infrastructure up, and that saved countless lives. We don't even know how many lives that saved. And I think we all know that maybe the next 
um, level for this, and our burden is for hardening of an infrastructure for energy um, and for so many of our telecommunications. And so I think we all believe, and I've heard you all start discussing it, we owe that to the next generation as well, and we are committed to doing that together at every level of government, and we will fight for that. I know you all are in that fight. We've had these conversations. So thank you very much. Thank you, Madam President. President. I just want to mention one thing. I tried very hard to get Mr. Drews excited about something during this event, and I failed miserably, but I'm not giving up yet. <laughs> Thank you. Anyone else? Councilman Pistotter. Uh Yeah, Parish President, two issues that I think relate to things you talked about, but that I wanted to raise as things I would hope we could look into as a parish. One um, is I know we have payroll rules. You know, we're talking about our employees in the all-hands-on-deck approach, and I don't know which department or who would be in charge of this, but um, my understanding is from some of the employees that not all of our employees in different departments um, qualify for all the, sta the standby pay. There's a particular personnel rule that has to do with the provision of sleeping quarters. But we had a number of, in particular, recreation is what comes to my mind is where those uh, men and women that were forced to stay here in parish facilities, um, personally, I, from what I could tell, I, think, I don't believe we're provided. It's not the parish's fault. It's just the way it, it went. We're not in necessarily what were intended to be sleeping quarters. And so if their departments, I would ask all of our directors to look at those departments and ensure that if their employees were forced to, um, to stay and sleep on premises, to perform their duties, that we make sure that we as a parish find the funding to make sure that they're getting the appropriate compensation as other as others may be. I, I think you may, you're familiar with the issue. And some places, as I understand, a lot of these employees were sleeping, for instance, in the Rio Lario Center or gyms that were on air conditioned, didn't because they didn't have they weren't intended to have backup generator power, but yet aren't getting that additional hazard pay that other employees may get. I'd ask that we look into that and make sure, and if we need to do something as a council to address particular departments that maybe under a normal storm, and, and that may be the issue, maybe under an ordinary storm they wouldn't have been on staff sleeping on site. Maybe this one was novel, so if we have to make adjustments, I think it's, I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that all those departments have that happen um, and don't fly below the radar. So. Councilman, we're, we're already starting some of those discussions. Um, I would like to see us, you know, um, have, for lack of a better word, we have, you know, we have nearly 3,000 employees, a core of double-trained people ready to, you know, um, be called up during the storm. But, of course, the classified rules that we're stuck with keep people in their lines um, of where they are in a normal day, and those are the rules that apply to that that department. So we will need to discuss further with you because there may be some legislative changes that we need. Um, maybe there's a recreation department employee who was also a law enforcement officer and could be flexed to that role. Um, maybe some people can't stay um, because they have a, a relative that they have to, but other people are not essential but could be called up. And really, you know, with these storms, we want people who want to be here. Um, we don't want people, I don't want to be working with people who don't want to be here, who resent being here, who want to be by their family, but we have enough people with additional pay and for compensation who would be willing to stay here. And that shouldn't go a, a, along the lines of where you're assigned on a Monday to Friday from a storm. It should be almost like a core of people that we can just cross-train. Maybe there's extra pay 
during the year you get a little extra just for being part of this storm core of people. Um, but I think we need to relook at that and get away from this very structured classified system that certainly has the protections that we need on a regular day and be more flexible when it comes to storms because I don't want to work with anybody who doesn't want to be here but we have plenty of people who say um, and I saw it firsthand as well as you do my community needs me my family's safe I'm gonna do whatever I need to do and I want to be surrounded with those people so um, we have to really really look at that and 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 maybe have an overlay over our classified system yeah. some kind of way. Yeah, and, and, and I, I couldn't agree more. I'm The specific issue I'm speaking of has as much to do with as if one department's employees are sleeping on premises to do their jobs during, during that and are getting paid X, then another department that's performing the same functions also sleeping on site. There's a provision in our in our rules that says when they get that additional hazard pay, and I'm just I would ask all of our departments to give a a close a close look to make sure that's being done, and and that they qualify within that current personnel rule. That's all, because I, I honestly I think we're going to find, particularly in recreation, that um, there's some there's some people slipping through the cracks that I know not you or any of your administrators would want to happen. And so um, it kind of came to my attention on the second issue that I wanted to bring up that I know your administration has already addressed, uh, which is the food issue to our employees during the disaster. Um, don't ask me why. Maybe it's that some of the, you know, particularly the fleet department, on uh, surplus recreation, it somehow it came to my lap. It could very well be that they looked at the parish president and the other council members and said, Dominic's probably the most appropriate person to address food issues with. Um, so he's probably going to be the most simple, sympathetic. Uh, <laughs> they didn't look to Ricky because they know, you know. Um, but, um, but to be candid, and I know you're admitting, and I'm really saying this more for the public and the employees, it is unconscionable what the contractor for our food did to our employees uh, during this disaster. And kudos to you, Mr. Lachute, Valerie, Wag uh, Valerie Brolin, excuse me, um, and parish president for making the decision to kick that contractor out. But it's a shame that it got to that. Um, and, and what I've stated is it's amazing when I talked to one department, they said, you know, Actually, it got better once uh, once juvenile services, you know, started cooking some meal for us. I said, oh, so wait, so the upgrade was when we went to prison food? What a wonderful, what a wonderful message that is, that it got better once we started feeding our employees pris the prison food. Wonderful. What a pathetic statement. Um, and so kudos to you guys for getting rid of them. But what I'm asking for, and if I have to do a resolution for the next meeting, I think we need to audit their contract and find out what this this company who was who got in the RFP goes to show you that low bid's not always better, right? Um, and, and what a disgusting display they did, because I guarantee you whatever they got paid for was way too much, even if it was the lowest bid. Um, I have pictures of sandwiches with mold on them. Um, I have, I mean, it is absolutely, they, they came to the right guy. They came to the fat guy. So this was a, um, I mean, it was literally disgusting to see what they did to our employees. And, um, and so I, I think they need to be called to the carpet in a big way and make sure they are not 
overpaid for the crap service that they provided. And I, and I say that because, I mean, it's just here we are asking men and women to be away from everything you said, be away from their families and do all this and sacrifice for the betterment of the parish, and, and they're not even getting what they were paid for. I mean, it's just disgusting. And so thank you for taking the, the necessary step in light of what maybe it affects our FEMA reimbursement. I know you all know that, but said we're going to do what's best for our employees, and I appreciate that because when we brought those concerns to you, you dealt with it. But I want them to have to answer for this, and I think it's pathetic. So, But thank you for your Councilman, we knew early on the food was not adequate at first. I think there were some supply issues. Uh, Steve Lachute, you know, tried to address it early on. We, we saw some improvement uh, at first. We also were trying, the grocery stores weren't open. We were trying to go to the grocery stores ourselves to just get other food and try to bring on other restaurants. Um, but finally, we were able to source it out to, to a different company, and, and the quality went up tremendously. But I agree with you. We have people doing some of our hardest work. Um, manual labor every day, and, and they need a decent meal. I mean, you know, you, you just can't eat a, a bad sandwich for, you know, I get the day after or something, but um, we need to provide a quality meal to our people. And so that is the one thing that we can say um, we had to improve. We, nobody was um, happy with that situation, but um, Steve can, you know, you want to elaborate on it, Steve? Hang on, I got you, Steve. There we go. We had some initial concerns that were brought up to us. We actually met with the owners of the company on Tuesday, uh, and they, they indicated to us that the issues were going to be addressed. Uh, they seemed to improve for a couple of days, and then it started popping back up. And then one, I was notified one morning of some repetitive issues uh, in the streets department, uh, and then I just made the decision that uh, we, we had to get someone else. So that afternoon we were able to source another vendor for the, for the lunch uh, and the dinner, and uh, they went ahead and uh, fed throughout the remainder of the event, and they fed until Sunday evening, and it was a market improvement. I think many of you all have seen the, the photos of, the, of the, the old food and the new food, and I think you would agree with me that uh, it was a much improved of what they did. So uh, we're on the last year of this contract, and we're all going to look at the RFP we put out for, uh, for next year. And, and Steve, I'd just like to say, look, I, my past experience is I was an emergency operator in a catering company, and you and I spoke about this, that I'll be glad to sit down and go over what we could do to uh, improve for the future. And, and Dominic said it, and Madam President, you said it, the most important part during a, a major situation like we're dealing with is the people having a good, hearty meal that they can look forward to in the morning and in the evenings, even if they have to take a box lunch with them during the day. And uh, that, that period of everyone sitting there eating something that they know that is good uh, really makes a difference in the morale of uh, servicing our people. So, you know, I'll be glad to sit down and see what we can do. And look, just like Dominic said, that, that, you know, that's what you get with the lowest bidder. Sometime, and if FEMA's not going to reimburse us, maybe we just have to take and roll with the dice and do the right thing with our people. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. We don't have to eat your food again, do we? No. no. Oh, well, Byron, Byron wanted me to resign and, and start cooking. <laughs> I do have to address that. I, 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 while juvenile service, you say it's prison food, I hear the two cooks there cook very well. So um, I don't think it's, I think it's a higher quality in that. But I, I have not had the food, but I keep hearing how, how good they cook. So. Okay. Thank you. Um, did you have something else yeah, before we get to this new, next one? And, uh, Madam President, and thank you for everything and your staff, but I want to make sure that we take a close look at, and this might go to Mark Drews or Sydney. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of compromises within our water system and water meters being ripped up, homes torn down, 
uh, property uh, exposed, and some of those meters are still running on homes. We're going to have to figure out, I'm assuming, to how these people's meters were disturbed and still running or ran for a period of time without being shut off and being charged for the water that they didn't actually use, but the hurricane impacted their residents. So I don't know how we evaluate that, but the sooner we do that and then later, I, don't, you know, I think it needs to be addressed. I will certainly look into that. Uh, Sydney's already, you know, uh, been working on, uh, you know, delaying uh, payment, especially in Lafitte and Grand Isle. We, you know, we're not going to be billing anyone in Grand Isle at all because it's just uh, it'd be pointless. In uh, Lafitte, we're working on uh, when we might be able to start billing again because we're going to hold off for a while. So those are two different animals, uh, obviously, which had extensive uh, repairs. So we'll. We'll definitely, uh, you know, keep you all abreast of what we propose to do and how we want to handle it, and we'll, we'll certainly take uh, a look at the, the situation overall to, to do what's fair for our residents. Thank you. All right, we do have to get to executive session because we're paying billable hours. But um, before we do that, because it was related to uh, Madam President and Councilman Impostato's conversation a moment ago, uh, Councilman Lee has requested that we take uh, item 49 from the consent agenda 2 out of order um, and address that. And um, I'll ask if there's any objection to taking item number 49 out of order. A motion of Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker. All right, hearing none so ordered. Madam Clerk, can you read number 49 from consent agenda 2, please? A resolution requesting the personnel department to study and report to the council on the feasibility of amending the pay plan for the classified service of Jefferson Parish to raise the minimum hourly wage to a living wage for Jefferson Parish for all parish civil service employee classes which have a minimum salary lower than this living wage standard. Councilman Lee. According to Eric Schulteis with MIT, Jefferson Parish's uh, minimum wage should be no less than $15.01. And uh, in light of, uh, of, of everything that's went on, I think all my council colleagues, along with many who work in the parish, would agree that we have to pay employees commensurate with the performance and uh, and according to their titles i i am so proud of what i saw like what was stated by many of my colleagues about the performance of our employees doing this in unprecedented uh time and just like we have to make sure that we feed them well and do those things, but also on an annual basis, I believe that we have to really look at paying people what I what most deem a minimum wage of $15. And those people run the gamut of all departments in the parish, but what we saw during this storm and what we will continue to see are the laborers in all of the departments from groundskeepers, tradesmen, recreation, Jeff Cap the water department, sewage department, who work across the board in this parish and who work very hard uh, for this parish, both during storm season and out of storm season. And so I'm asking for the administration to uh, do what's required and come back to us and say, uh, give us a reason why it can't be done or what do we have to do to ensure that it can be done. 
And so bringing many of these employees up from, let's say, for example, uh, classified employees, you have many of them who who only being paid $10.70 an hour. And so that's not a whole lot. And when we know their performance and, and the, the superstars that we saw during this storm, I, I, I believe that we have to look at increase in labor wages for our employees because we are also competing against other industries when we're hiring people. We also will be losing people to other industries just because our pay is not that high. And so I'm asking you all to um, review that, come back to us, because I believe it's important to not only make all our employees uh, uh, viable in terms of security, but also in, in terms of pay. So thank you all very much, and, 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 and please get back to us uh, to let us know affirmatively where we stand on this issue because I, I believe it's very important, and I don't think, and I always say this, we cannot run this parish without the workers who show up for, uh, who show up for grand openings, for ribbon cuttings, and, and who show up whenever we have problems. Over at uh, Park Playground the other night, many of those people who were there worked in general services, worked in the recreation department, and many of those who are laborers were there as well, and they had the lowest pay. And so that's what I'm asking you all to do, and I appreciate you all getting back to us on a timely basis. Thank you, Councilman Lee. Is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution on motion of Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker? Mr. Chairman, I just want to clarify one thing. Before the political emails start coming, this only affects Jefferson Parish government. We're not imposing or asking that this be required on private business in Jefferson Parish. This is for our own employees. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, any objection? Hearing none, so ordered. Uh, Madam Clerk, can, uh, well, let's do this. Is I'm not able to address item 49 as a public? When we come back from executive session, we're going to do public comment. We took that item out of order. We will address it when we come back from executive session. You're voting on it. We voted on it. All right, Mr. Hires, you can you can go ahead and address it now, Mr. Hires, and we'll we'll revote. I have a you know it's just a point of order. To me, that's kind of important. It's John Frankie Hires, five hundred nine Homewood Boulevard. And I don't this comes from your time for later as well. The public. I, I realize it, and that seems kind of absurd to me that each item should be given three minutes to the public, and when there's only one person. Okay, your time's ticking, Mr. Hires. You're ticking. You you ticket. I know how this works. Uh, regarding item number 49, I wonder if anybody in here is doing a more important job than a preschool teacher. The average pay for a preschool teacher is about 12 grand a year, 15 grand a year. So I wonder if we're going to give pay raises to people that necessarily should have that before we reduce the pay of civic duties, people performing a civil servant. Everybody in there on these seats holding a seat right here is going to walk away from the parish with a million dollars. You're going to all make a million dollars on the parish teat. I have no problem raising the rate, pay rate for the lowest paid. 
why don't we consider lowering, lowering the pay and before we keep on hiring more executive directors that are going to make $100,000, consider that. Mr. Shires, included in that is employees of Jeff Cap who, who are teachers or assistant teachers who make less than $15 an hour. All right, so we'll go back to, uh, is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution on motion of Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Is there any objection to taking items six and seven out of order for executive session? Uh, as motion by Councilman uh, Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Madam Clerk, please read executive session item number six. A resolution authorizing the council to go into executive session to discuss legal matters concerning the lawsuit entitled Julie Woodward versus Jefferson Parish Hospital Service District Number Two, Parish of Jefferson, State of Louisiana, doing business as East Jefferson General Hospital, Carl Perrin and Andrew Chauvet, 24th JDC Number 795-011 Division G. Is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number seven, please. A resolution authorizing the council to go into executive session to discuss legal matters concerning the lawsuit entitled The Parish of Jefferson et al. versus Amera Source Bergen Drug Corporation et al. USDC EDLA number 18 6343. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution on motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. We are now in executive session. I don't think we'll be terribly long. We'll be back before too long.
All right, we're now back in session. Madam Clerk, please read uh, item number six from executive session. A resolution authorizing a settlement in the lawsuit entitled Julie Wooded versus Jefferson Parish Hospital Service District number two, Parish of Jefferson, State of Louisiana, doing business as East Jefferson General Hospital, Carl Perrin and Andrew Chauvet, 24th JDC number 795-011 Division G. Is there any objection to adopting that item out of executive session? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. And now we'll go back to <laughs> the beginning of the meeting. And those who would like to appear before the council regarding a resolution on the agenda today. And Mr. Hires, I do apologize for the uh, last part, skipping over the public comment portion. That was my mistake. Sorry about that. Um, but now you do have... You had 210 left, so to make it up to you, I'll give you 230 left um, for your public comment for anything you have on the agenda today. Hey, cool. I had 216 on my watch. <laughs> John Frankie hires. We got you set up. So I'll go through these as quick as I can. It's a little rough being given three minutes to address as many as 100 different items, but we'll do what we can. One and two are onerous and burdensome to the taxpayer. I also question the arbitrary taxation that we're employing throughout the parish. How many districts and areas are tax exempt just by merely uh, reinvesting in their property a little bit? It affects everybody's tax burden. Uh, on behalf of Alarella, who apparently couldn't make it today, <laughs> on the fifth district in Kenner, items number 40 and 79, I'd like to know something about the change order, the cost and the reasons, and I'd also like to know something about the increase of that cap on the spending. That was on his behalf. I'm not going to ask for any national resignations or anything like that. Uh, re regarding our juvenile facilities, the detention costs, that was one item that was up on the agenda. I don't remember the exact item number, but that's becoming a question. How many juveniles do we have in det detention? Really important. Items 52 to 57, we're going to spend another $1.5 million to engineers that will never do anything for us. $1.5 million could have been five. 100,000 gallons of fuel. Perhaps if we quit spending the tens of millions of dollars now that we're spending with engineers and architects that will never do anything for us, perhaps we could develop a plan by which we could distribute fuel, and I'm going to spend at least... Well, we'll you have see. another 30 seconds okay, on that's the clock. Good. You have a minute. I'm going to spend 20 seconds right now. Pride is a sin. Right. My daughter is in a, in a well-accomplished, well in a college, earned a 70-something dollar scholarship. People ask, are you proud of your daughter? No, I am not. I'm honored. It was a privilege to parent my daughter. Everybody that's in here that's performing civic duty, it's an honor and a privilege to do so. You are all well compensated. You suffer. You need suffer no pride. Is this an item on the agenda that you're addressing now, or is this for the end of the meeting? This has to do with what we've been talking about regarding the, the response. So I'll, I'll wrap it up. Right now, moment of silence for the two people that lost their lives. One was murdered and one committed murder. Thank you. 
Good afternoon. My name is Clayton Cangelosi, uh, What's Your Passion Radio Talk Show host. Uh, and I just want to address uh, item number 49. First of all, I want to thank uh, Mr. Ampostato for bringing this up. And uh, actually, I see I give credit where credit is due, Mr. Lee, for putting this on the agenda. And yes, I think our parish employees deserve better. I think they deserve more than just the minimum wage, especially when they're putting their life on a line, especially when they are staying in a storm like some of our possible pumping station workers. They're on the, the front line. They're on the water pumping and keeping us dry. And I think these guys deserve even more than $15 an hour. Um, these guys should get paid very well because they're putting they're, they're the first responders at this time. They're doing the jobs of the police and the, and the, and the firefighters to, so the, they can do their job and by keeping the parish dry. So I want to thank you guys for doing that and, and even looking at maybe giving more of a raise because our, our, our parish employees deserve it. They're here. They, put, they, they leave their family, as you guys said. They stay to, do, to keep our parish safe, to keep the people that stay safe and keep you guys safe. So at the end of the day, I want to thank you guys for uh, taking that time and, and actually passing that resolution. So um, we, we need to look at possibly even uh, maybe more money, um, uh, you know, as a conservative. But I think still at the end of the day, our guys should get paid uh, top dollar. So uh, thank you guys very much. Is there anyone else who would like to address the council on items on the agenda today? All right, thank you very much. Uh, numbers 1 through 5, I have a note, will be deferred until our October 6th meeting. 1 through 5, deferred to October 6th, 2021. So we'll move on to item number 8, please, Madam Clerk. I'm sorry, is there any objection to the deferral of items number one, items one through five, until our October 6th meeting? On motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number eight, please. Resell blocks 11 and 10 and 11, square eight, Woodland Acres subdivision, ES 8621, Council District 2. Odd to hear you. Can you pull your mic towards you? Oh, I'm sorry. Summary number 25730, resub lots 10 and 11 square 8, Woodland Acres Subdivision ES 8621, Council District 2. We can waive the reading on this item, so we open the public hearing now on summary number 25730. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared, Madam Clerk. Councilman Bonanno. Ms. Renfro, does it create any problems at all to defer this again? Obviously, I was supposed to meet with the owners regarding this issue over the last three weeks, and we know what happened. That did not occur. So I'd like to defer it again if it does not create any problems. No, sir. It will not create a problem. So I'm going to move to, Mr. Walker, I'll move to defer for one meeting. Any objection to the deferral of summary number 25730, a motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Number nine, please. Summary number 25757, amending the official zoning map portion of plot 98 Hesmer farm subdivision more particularly amending the zoning classification from CDR to BC2 EZ 1021 council district 5 
We can waive the reading here as well. So we open the public hearing for summary number 25757. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilwoman Van Branken. Move for denial. Any objection to the denial of summary number 25757 on motion of Councilwoman Van Branken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 10, please. Summary number 25704, approving SB 1020, requested variance to the parking requirements <clears throat> of the C2 and the CPZ for a new retail tenant at 3940 Veterans Memorial Boulevard on lot 159A Manson subdivision, Council District 5. We can also waive the reading here and open the public hearing for summary number 25704. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilwoman Van Franken. So originally this was a request for a variance <clears throat> that would have allowed for use of the space as a restaurant, um, which is an intense parking requirement. The applicant requested that we um, change the request, amend the request to a lower intensity parking requirement, which is business and um, general offices and professional offices, I should say, business and professional office. And so um, I will move to approve that amended request. Is there any objection to the approval of summary number 25704, a motion of Councilwoman Van Branken, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 11, please. Summary number 25758, <clears throat> approving SP 1521, approving a requested variance to the landscape and buffer regulations for BBQ Rex, Barbecue Rex, located at 2903 Jefferson Highway on Lot C, Square 148, Harlem Subdivision, Council District 2. The reading can be waived, and we open the public hearing for summary number 25758. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared. Councilman Bonanno? Move for approval. Any objection to the approval of summary number 25758 on motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 12, please. Summary number 25759, approving SP 1921, approving a requested variance to the height regulations for Pat Pat LLC dental offices located at 1637 Clearview Parkway on lot 47A Square, 111B Bridgedale Section C Subdivision, Council District 5. We can waive the reading and open the public hearing for summary number 25759. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Note that no one has appeared, please, Madam Clerk. Councilwoman Van Vranken. Move for approval. Any objection to the approval of summary number 25759 on motion of Councilwoman Van Vranken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 13, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 25735, revoking <coughs> and declaring a portion of Lumar Road right-of-way adjacent to 2727 Varden Avenue, Lot 2, Square 1, Holmes Park Number 1 subdivision no longer needed for a public purpose and authorizing a sale to the adjacent property owner for the appraised value of $28,500, Council District 5. We know of the public hearing for summary number 25735. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, no one has appeared. Councilwoman Van Franken. Move for approval. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25735 on motion of Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 14, please. Summary number 25760, authorizing the parish to transfer by quick claim whatever right, title, and interest it may have in and to McDonoughville Cemetery to the City of Gretna, Council District 1. We now open the public hearing for summary number 25760. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. 
No one has appeared. Madam Clerk, Councilman Edwards. Move to approve. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25760, a motion of Councilman Edwards, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 15, please. Summary number 25761, amend Chapter 2, Administration, Article 7, Finances, Contracts, Purchases, and Sales, Division 2, Uniform, Purchasing Procedures, Sections 2-895 and 2-896, and Division 3, Restrictions on Contracts and Other Agreements, Sections 2-923 and 2-928 generally. We now open the public hearing for summary number 25761. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared. Madam Clerk, Councilman Template. Any objection to the approval of summary number 25761 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 16, please. Summary number 25762, amend ordinance number 4074, the personnel rules for the classified service of Jefferson Parish to amend rule 3, section 2.1C, and rule 6, section 8.110. Public hearing is now open for summary number 25762. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared. Councilman Template. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25762 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 17, please. Summary number 25763, amend ordinance number 4074, the personnel rules for the classified service of Jefferson Parish to amend rule 9, section 11, and rule 4, section 5.8. Public hearing is open for summary number 25763. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Note that no one has appeared, Madam Clerk. Councilman Template. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25763, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 18, please. Summary number 25764, amend ordinance number 14796, the pay plan for the classified service of Jefferson Parish to create a new job classification of Assistant Director Accounting. We now open the public hearing for summary number 25764. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Thank you, Hires. District 509 Homo Boulevard. I am opposed to hiring or creating any more chiefs. There's enough people making over 64 grand working for the president, parish presently. Let's raise the, the pay rate for everybody under 64. Is there anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in opposition. Councilman Template. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25764 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 19, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 25765, amending the 2021 operating budget. We'll open the public hearing for summary number 25765. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Don't pay your hires again, 509 Homo. Got to rise in opposition. How many times is it going to be every month that we have to amend both of these? And I won't rise for the next one because I'm saying the same thing. If we've got to amend the budget every month, we don't have a budget. Anyone else in favor or opposition, please come forward. Councilman Temple, uh, note, note that one appeared in opposition. Madam Clerk, Councilman Template. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25765 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 20, please. Summary number 25766, amending the 2021 capital budget. 
We're now over the public hearing for summary number 25766. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25766 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Now to our emergency ordinances. Madam Clerk, please read item 21 with amendments. Temporarily waiving permit fees if permit was necess necessitated by damages from Hurricane Ida. And the amendments are as follows. To delete the reference to ordinance number 26092 and section 2 that any fence repair and or replacement necessitated by Hurricane Ida that puts a pre-existing fence back in its original permitted location at the same height and using the same materials shall not require a new permit during the period that permit fees are waived. Section 3, the sections 40-661G1, 40-661G3, and 40-661G7, which relate to RV restrictions, are hereby waived during the period beginning on August 29, 2021. Any objections to the amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, so ordered. I move to approve. Any objection to the adoption of the amendments on motion of Councilman Walker, seconded by Councilman Template? Hearing none, so ordered. So now we open the public hearing for that emergency ordinance as amended. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Tom Frankie-Hire, smartest thing you ever did. I'm so happy to commend the council and the administration on doing something. Thank you for helping the people of Jefferson Parish. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one spoke in favor. Again, I move to approve. Is there any objection to the approval of the emergency ordinance as amended on motion of Councilman Walker, seconded by Councilman Template? Hearing none, so ordered. Now to resolutions and motions from the floor. Madam Clerk, call the roll, please. Councilman Template. Do I have one? No, sorry. Okay. All right. <laughs> Councilman Impostata. I believe I do. Councilwoman Van Rankin. I have two if you could read them. Yes, ma'am. A resolution canceling the Tardy Girl Parade plan for September 25, 2021. Is there any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? We now open the public hearing for uh, that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Is there any objection to the adoption of that resolution brought forward in motion by Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. A resolution granting Archbishop Rummel Alumni Association Incorporated to conduct an Archbishop Rummel High School return to Severn fundraiser on Friday, October 1, 2021 from 5 p.m. until 9 p.m. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing for that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Note that no one has appeared, Madam Clerk. Is there any objection to the adoption of the resolution brought forward in motion by Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Councilman Edwards. I have none. Councilman Banana. Councilman Lee. I believe I have one. Yes, sir. A resolution authorizing and agreeing to the transfer of the Housing Choice Voucher Program for unincorporated Jefferson Parish from the Housing Authority of Jefferson Parish to the Parish of Jefferson. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? We now open a public hearing for that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. 
Note that no one has appeared. Madam Clerk, any objection to the adoption of that resolution? Brought forward in motion by Councilman Lee, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. And Chairman Walker. I have none. And I've completed the roll. Thank you, Madam Clerk. That takes us to Consent Agenda 1. Items 23 through 47 will be taken in Globo and number 48 canceled. Is there any objection to that? 23 through 47 in Globo, 48 canceled. A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to item number, uh, well, we already dealt with number 49 earlier, so that takes us to item number 50. Madam Clerk. A resolution requesting the President of the United States and the United States Congressional Delegation representing Jefferson Parish to work with the U.S. Small Business Administration to forgive any outstanding loans related to Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Councilman Templet. And yes, I, I just wanted to take this out of order because uh, each and every one of us has signed a letter that we sent to the President uh, requesting that they forgive prior loans for doing uh, SBA loans doing Katrina, Rita, Gustav, and Ike. Uh, currently with Ida, if they have an, a meeting with our FEMA representative, and most, most of y'all were there, and when they explain the possibility of giving SBA loans uh, to businesses as well as personal loans, that prior loans given to storms before could affect the capability of a constituent getting a loan now. Uh, so we all agreed that that would be a, a something that would enhance and help protect our constituents uh, if we sent a letter requesting uh, uh, them forgiving those prior loans. Uh, and speaking to uh, most of our delegation, especially uh, Troy Carter, uh, he had talked to the president personally about it and still waiting for an answer on that. But uh, I think this, if we could, that could happen, it could help put our constituents in a better position to secure loans for this storm, which is you know, basically 16 years later. So. Thank you, Councilman, Councilman Templet. Your motion? I move. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. It takes us to uh, Consent Agenda 2 now and items 51 through 80, and deferring items 55, 60, 66, and 76, and amending number 83. So is there any objection to the adoption of items 51 through 80 on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker, oh, sorry, and deferring 55, 60, 66, 76, and amending 83, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Mr. Chairman, item 83 is a special district item. Okay, that's right. Item 83 we'll deal with separately, so I'll read it one more time. Any objections to the adoption of items 51 through 80, deferring 55, 60, 66, and 76, on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. There's no addendum agenda today, so that takes us to special districts. And item 82, please, Madam Clerk. Resolution approving the contract with Orleans Capital, Capital Management Corporation to provide investment management services for hospital service district number two by actively trading the portfolio managed within the district's investment policy guidelines and according to state law. Council District 5. Councilwoman Van Vranken. Move for approval. Any objection to the adoption of the resolution? A motion of Councilwoman Van Vranken, seconded by Councilman Walker. 
Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 83 with amendments, please. A resolution rescinding resolution number 138028 adopted July 21, 21, wherein the Parish Council authorized the selection to provide psychological evaluations of prospective firefighters and for counseling department employees on an as-needed basis for the Jefferson Parish East Bank Consolidated Fire Department for submittals of statements of qualifications for two years with an option to renew yearly three years max, thereafter for a total of five years. And the amendments are as follows. Um, the second, whereas the contents of resolution number 138028 were previously approved under resolution 137681, adopted May 19, 2021. And in section one, the last phrase, thereafter for a total of five years is hereby rescinded. Councilman Template, your motion. Any objection to the adoption of the resolution as amended? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 84, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution approving an agreement with iCare Medical Staffing, LLC, to provide psychological evaluations of prospective firefighters and for counseling department employees on an as-needed basis for the Jefferson Parish East Bank Consolidated Fire Department for two years with an option to renew yearly, three years max, thereafter for a total of five years at an amount not to exceed $15,000. Councilwoman Van Vreiken. Uh, move for approval. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilwoman Van Vreiken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 85, please. A resolution approving an agreement with I'm Listening Business Solutions, LLC, to provide psychological evaluations of prospective firefighters and for counseling department employees on an is as needed basis for the Jefferson Parish East Bank Consolidated Fire Department for two years with an option to renew yearly, three years max, thereafter for a total of five years and an amount not to exceed $15,000. Councilwoman Van Vreiken? Move for approval. Any objections to the adoption of the resolution? A motion of Councilwoman Van Vreiken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 86, please. Summary number 25750, amending Chapter 27, Water, Sewerage, and Drainage, Article 5, Water, Division 2, Waterworks District, Section 27-196, Consolidated Waterworks District Number 1. We open the public hearing now for summary number 25750. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Uh, Tim Coulon, representing the Jefferson Business Council as an executive uh, director and also representing myself and to express to you how I stand proud today to be a citizen and a former elected official in Jefferson. I think uh, what you just went through was, was a Herculean effort. Uh, I can't say enough about how our parish business was done. Uh, I can tell you that from, a, from afar, from a distance, I saw firsthand United a united front led by the administration, but I also saw individual efforts by the council to address the needs of their district. So that's good government, and I, and I applaud you for that, and I thank you for that. Coincidentally, the issues we're talking about today were at the forefront of the infrastructure problems of this parish, the water and sewer, the current rates, the future capital programs, and the maintenance needs. Uh, kudos to the administration and, and parish president Shang, 
she led the effort to educate us all, including my business counsel. Every citizen in this parish had a chance to hear what the issues were, what the cost would be. And I come here in support on behalf of my business counsel, but also to give you guys credit, uh, men and women, because you are taking on a, a program that well beyond your term in office. That's not easy. I didn't have the courage to propose a rate increase beyond three years. This is a, a well-versed, well-sounded, well-planned uh, program that's going to take us into the next century. So uh, appreciate, appreciate all of you guys have done. Uh, the administration and, of course, uh, the fact that we, we as, as Dominic mentioned, we have addressed the infrastructure needs past, present, and now we're addressing the future. So thank you. Thank you for your leadership, and thank you, Parish President Shang. And, Mr. Kula, I'll take this opportunity to thank you as well. I know you recently announced that you're going to leave the Jefferson Business Council. Uh, we thank you for your continued service to this parish. At first as parish president, a lot of things in between, and now uh, through your term on the Jefferson Business Council. I know you're not going anywhere. You're not going to disappear. But thank you for what you've done for Jefferson Parish. No, and, and, you, and Dino can attest to that, 630, Marion, 730. Sometimes <laughs> Dominic, sometimes all of you guys. But, but I appreciate you, uh, your hearing and listening. And, and listen, we got a good group. we got a good team. It's been mentioned uh, on more than one occasion. And I think that uh, you got to keep the momentum, despite the distractions of the pandemic and the storms. And uh, God knows what you guys are going through, and, and it's incredible. Uh, so kudos to our citizens for their patience. And uh, and despite the fact that you've probably had, you know, some challenges from the, on the citizenry part, you, you got to stand proud of, of what you've done. And 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 you know, I, and I tell Ricky all the time, tell Ricky all the time, you got to look back to see how far you've come, and you've come a long way. So thank you all again. Don't worry. We're going to appoint you to three or four boards. Now that you got more free time, we're going to take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> Those are fighting words. Yeah. <laughs> the, the steely stare was enough, I think. So, I'm not sure what the amendment to Chapter 27 involves. If it's regarding sewages, John Frankie hires again, 509 HOMA. Um, I'm hoping that that might address the boil water advisory issue. Um, we live in Jefferson Parish. If uh, Jefferson Parish government in any way makes public notice that uh, one part of this parish is under a boil water advisory, for given that we had no power, no internet, intermittent, unreliable, I see this, and when I see that West Bank and Grand Isle are under a boil water advisory, I'm misled to believe that maybe East Bank, East Bank isn't. And while I'm out moving trees and repairing people's generators and doing everything else, I lose track of that, and I'm brushing my te teeth with water that leads me to an emergency room concerned for a bacterial infection. Now, I haven't been to an emergency room in 30-plus years. Last time I almost cut off a finger. That's what takes me to an emergency room. I'd like to never visit one again, and I think that if we concentrate on public notice regarding our water issues, that would go a long way. There's, I don't see any reason why there couldn't have been somebody going down every street on the East Bank here with a bullhorn notifying everybody vis-a-vis -vis just old school, right? Because that internet didn't work, phone didn't work. Um, it was intermittent at best. And we got the parish employees to do it, and I know that we could have. They drove by my street three or four times. We smiled, waved, everybody was cool. Nobody had it out for the parish employees. I appreciate the efforts everybody made. We can do better. Thank you, Mr. Hires. Anyone else in favor or opposition? Madam Clerk noted that one appeared in favor, and I guess two appeared in favor. I assume that was in favor, right? It's hard to tell. Okay, well, 
At least one appeared in favor. Councilman Templin, your motion. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25750, a motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 87, please. Chairman, sorry, we just want to thank you very much for that. I know you breathed a sigh of relief with yes. that. <laughs> you might have seen Mark get a little, um, not as calm. Yeah. No, I was excited. <laughs> That's excited, Mark. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, just in terms of the boil water advisory, I know there was no electricity. We certainly did everything we could to get daily information out. I know many people were having to listen to our briefings on the radio. Um, so um, we certainly did try to get that out and, and um, hope everybody received that message. But it was, it was uh, said every night in the best way that we could with the communication that we had. Thank you, Madam President. Item number 87, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 25751, amending Chapter 27, Water, Sewage, and Drainage, Article 2, Sewage, Division 3, Users' Fees, Section 20-48, Calculated. We now have the public hearing for summary number 25751. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. No one has appeared. Madam Clerk, Councilman Templet. Any objections to the approval of summary number 25751, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. No new business, no status to report. So that takes us to anybody who wants to appear before the Council on Special Subject Matters. You have three minutes to speak, and you should return a, uh, a request to speak card up front to state your name and address for the record. Hi, Nancy Pearson, 8924 Rensu in River Ridge. The first and I think most important thing, you've talked about the infrastructure and how that needs to be addressed. Um, I think we saw over several parishes with this storm that our independent living centers are not properly managed. Most of them are run by religious organizations. But I would hope that this council, along with several other councils from different cities and parishes, would maybe go to our legislature and see if we can't get legislation to address the issues during storms with independent living centers that are primarily for senior citizens. If there's not management there, there shouldn't be senior citizens living there. Uh, you saw it all over the news for several days. Those of y'all that had TV or had time to see TV, it was on the news for several days about several of the centers in New Orleans that were just horrible. But it also happened in several other parishes. So I'd hope that this council and administration would address that with our legislature to get certain laws passed, not just for nursing homes and assisted living, but also for independent living. And um, I know we come up here and complain a lot, well, often, but there's, there's a couple of people that I really, I need to mention because uh, we had a tree fall off parish property onto a house. Uh, the couple of very young newlyweds, both in the medical community, both working really long, long hours and having to stay at a hospital for three days at a time and then come home. They couldn't come home because the tree had fallen on their house. They couldn't get in their front door. So a couple of emails, and I really want to thank, and I know, kudos. I add the kudos to Mr. Drews because every night I watched and I just he kept going on and on and on about everything that had happened. And I lived through Katrina, believe me. I worked 19 days before I saw my home again after Katrina with the Sheriff's Office, with Sheriff Lee. So we are way, way ahead. But I would like to thank Mr. Drews, Mr. Parks, and Mr. Monier and the crew that they brought out to River Ridge because the tree was removed the next day. They saw some other trees on rural that were broken and immediately they attacked that and they removed it. And that was parish crews 
they, they removed those trees that were very unsafe. If somebody walked by or drove by, they could have uh, easily fallen on them. So we want to thank those parish crews. I think it's probably from Parkways that came out and did a marvelous job to do that. And beca only because it wasn't mentioned and because we had to call, we want to mention the 3rd District Volunteer Fire Department. You know, they're not part of the West Bank Volunteer Fire Department. They're not part of the consolidated. But those of us in River Ridge rely heavily on them. And I actually had a neighbor who had a home generator, brand new, and I don't know that they did not work seconds. it or whatever. But they actually came out to the house and tested everything for the carbon monoxide because those people, it could have been a lot different had they not come out. So we want to give kudos to the 3rd District Volunteer Fire Department, too. So thank you thank very you. much. Oops. Again, uh, Clayton Cangelosi, um, uh, Jefferson Parish citizen, uh, also co-host, uh, I mean host of What's Your Passion Live on WGSO 990 AM. And we're talking about a lot of the recovery efforts on our show tomorrow. And one of the things I want to address, and I know this is not too much of a parish issue, but something you guys can do as our leaders in this parish is, one, energy. We don't need another hurricane fee. First of all, the the... the Damage should not be paid, put off on the taxpayers. They have insurance for that. We've been doing that, and I'm working with the Public Service Commissioner on that, and uh, Eric Scamato's office. I've also spoke with John Kennedy's office. You guys need to send a letter and state that we do not need another fee added to our light bill, um, and just raising that up. So with that being said, uh, that's out of the way. Uh, I have a couple questions here in addressing the council. I know you guys were busy patting yourselves on the back today, but we didn't look at the negative side of what happened and what we could have done better. And uh, Councilman Impostato talked about the uh, food-wise with the Modi sandwiches, I got them texts. I was told get back here because parish employees were said they were treated like crap. Uh, second question I have was that um, why were parish employees being doing chain shift in the middle of a hurricane? Why? Third question is, we have safe houses, especially in the pumping station side. Why were these guys put in a, and their, put, their lives were put in danger when they could have stood in these safe houses? Even if it's just to sleep. We don't send employees out. And so whoever is over this, these, these directors that allow this to happen should not have jobs as of today. This needs to be looked into seriously as the council. Because we put our, our parish workers in danger. I got these phone calls because they know I have the kahunas enough to stand up here and approach you guys and ask you about it. That's, that's the questions. And, and the food issue, why did it go as long as it did? Why? What, what is the issue with this? You know, I mean, you guys were served hot meals and these guys were served moldy sandwiches. I mean, that's a, I have a problem with that. I guarantee if I would have been here, I would have been out there. If I was the parish president, I would have told them take my caterers and send them out there and serve these guys the meals. My food. I would have ate the sandwiches. This is, that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. You guys did some great jobs, but also we've got to look at what we can do better next time. What can we do better as a parish to make ourselves better? This is not just about beating you guys up. This is about us moving. You guys, she is our quarterback. You guys are our defense. We're going to put this in football terms. And we are offense. We are working as a team together. And we need to continue working as a team together.
We need to not be divided. We need to work together as a team. Time's up. Thank you. John Frankie hires three minutes. Been here for like seven months, and when I first came here, um, it was about a stop sign. It's just a symbol. Asking a, my fellow motor vehicle operators to exercise some restraint, come to a halt. Consider your surroundings and proceed if it's safe to do so. It's become an issue of neglect in here. And trust me, with the lights down on Clearview, it's no better. It's wild, wild west out there. We lack for order, even yesterday, even today. Home lights down on airline. To be responsive as a council person, right? I don't need reporting. I don't need recaps. I don't need cliff notes and I don't need highlights. The Paris president did just fine. Responsiveness. If you've got to respond to 429,000 people, it gets really difficult to take them seriously. When you paid $120,000 to do so, it gets even harder. One of the first things I shared with you all was a Jefferson quote, and I'm going to share it again. Squeezing from the text or inventing against it that which serves you in an argument, that's not the spirit with which this Constitution was debated. And when it comes to redressing our government for grievances, redressing grievances, the First Amendment, that takes a whole lot more priority over trying to discern whether or not the agenda time or non-agenda time has been adhered to. If the chair is willing to forgive someone going off agenda time to address national issues, but won't allow the citizen on non-agenda time to address agenda items that had already been voted on, that are no longer on the agenda, and will silence the people in this condition, I wonder if that disposition is, is appropriate for the chairmanship. It's about principles versus allegiances, right? Public notice versus lip service. Everybody could have gotten a truck and went through the streets. It's not that far from Parish Line to Transcontinental or the Kenner Boundary. Everybody who serves the East Bank could have gotten in their vehicles. There's about 50 some odd council members that could have done this. I'm going to wrap it up because this thing's going to beep on my time. I don't need to be reminded, Mr. Chairman. Question of integrity of questioning the integrity of a constituent over questioning the improvement of government performance. Whether I know for a fact that nobody did a wellness check on Homo Boulevard, do I know for a fact? I was in a tent. Do I know where the post came from? It was August 30th. Yes, sir, I do know. I looked it up. I had to, because you would not. I still hold great hope in this chairman and in the whole council, especially the Paris president. I vote for all of you, and I'd like to vote for all of you again. But you serve the people. Anyone else like to address the council? All right, Madam Clerk, please read the ordinances for introduction to summary. Mr. Chairman, I have the first um, item that I have to read in the summary requires a unanimous vote of the council to bring forward. All right. An ordinance amending ordinance number 26033 passed on July 22, 2020, granting a non-exclusive franchise agreement to Bell South Telecommunications Incorporated 
doing business as AT&T Louisiana to construct, maintain, and operate its U-verse video service, IP-enabled video service, in connection with an integrated internet protocol enabled broadband platform of voice data and video services within the public rights of way of unincorporated Jefferson Parish as provided in and governed by 35.5 of the code of Jefferson Parish and the permitting procedures of the Parish of Jefferson to change the expiration of the agreement from November 30, 2021 to May 31, 2022. Is there any objection to that ordinance being brought from the floor? Hearing none, so ordered. Any objection to the approval of that ordinance? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. an ordinance temporarily waiving permit fees if permit was necessitated by damages from Hurricane Ida, an ordinance to amend the Code of Ordinances, Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, Chapter 6, Amusements and Entertainment, Article 5, Carnival and or Mardi Gras and other parades, Division 4, Parade <coughs> Regulations, Section 6-84, an ordinance to amend the Code of Ordinances, Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, Chapter 20, Offenses and Miscellaneous Provisions, Article 2, Offenses Against Public Administration, Section 20-23. An ordinance amending the 2021 Operating Budget of Jefferson Parish, an ordinance amending the 2021 Capital Budget of Jefferson Parish. And that's all of the items I have to read into summary. Is there any objection to a motion to adopt those ordinances read into summary? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Is there any objections to the motion to adjourn by all council members present? Hearing none, so ordered. Meetings adjourned. Thank you, everybody.